Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. I should have stayed home and played with myself. What do you like to do? Oh, I don't know. Play chess? Screw? Well, let's play chess. The Indianapolis Colts select Anthony Richardson. Quarterback, Florida. Richardson going to take off and run. He's in there. Touchdown. I-N-D-Y. The first career touchdown. Here's Halliburton into the front court. Mishandled it, but gets a shot. Hits it. Hits it. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Shotgun snap to Minshew. Outside give to Taylor. Stretching it out. He's at the five, and he walks in untouched. Jonathan Taylor punctuates the opening possession for the Colts on a five-yard touchdown run. Daniel Carlson is on for a 40-yard field goal, trying to get the Raiders on the board here on their first possession. There's a snap. Kick is on its way. The leg is good. The direction is good as well. Play action. Minshew feeling pressure, taking a shot downfield for Alec Pierce. He's got it. Yards after the catch, the 10. Angling right for the five, and he's at the pylon. Touchdown! A bomb from Gardner Minshew. O'Connell out of the gun, ball between the hash marks. White is his back to the left. Two receivers go to the right side. O'Connell looks left, fires into the end zone. It is caught at the goal line, and that's a touchdown. 45-yard field goal. Again, Sanchez will place it down. Luke Rhodes to snap it. There it is. Placement. Kick is on its way this time, and it is good! Second time the charm for Matt Gay. Fourth and goal at the one. O'Connell directing traffic. Yeah, they're confused. He's got the ball in the left hash. Turns. He's going to fire. Throws a fade into the end zone. Looking for a player for the Raiders. No signal yet. Touchdown, Devontae Adams. His second touchdown of the game. But Carlson kicks it to his left. It's available on the turf around the 50-yard line. The ball is hanging in the balance inside the 50-yard line. But the Colts have recovered it with Rodney Thomas. Final score today at Lucas Oil Stadium will be the Colts 23 and the Las Vegas Raiders 20. That is Matt Taylor and Rick Venturi, the Colts Radio Network, everybody. And that was what I call an outstanding Sunday afternoon for you on New Year's Eve. Happy New Year to everybody out there. Back in studio would be me for the first time. We were counting this up. I think it would be two weeks Tomorrow is the first time I've been in this studio. Been a while. Actually, I have been in here for Colts pregame huddles, things like that. But, no, it was a fantastic weekend, I'm assuming, right? Everybody pretty happy with the weekend? Even if you go into yesterday and New Year's Day on the road in Milwaukee and the Pacers getting that win, 122-113 over the Bucks. we have a great deal to discuss today. We have a win in your in scenario. We have... And now, not anybody. So many different times, whether you're just a random caller, 
a random ex-follower or send me emails or your Bill Brooks from the Colts pregame huddle. Normally when I bring up, and believe me, this is just thinking that is far in front of everybody else. I've got to get in front of everybody else. So the must-win stuff is far in front of everybody else. This is one that nobody out there can deny is an absolute. And the playoffs indeed start coming up on Saturday. We got a lot of stuff going up on Saturday, too. Saturday should be an absolute blast. Remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about that Steelers and the Colts. And, you know, you had that double dip at Cambridge Fieldhouse, Ball State, Indiana State, Purdue, and Arizona. This is going to go next level. You got the Pacers. I believe the Celtics is that game, too. And then you've got opposite of that, the matchup win and you're in against the Houston Texans. Can you ask for anything better? Sure you can. And what that is would be a win. I know, I know that everybody believes in the term dealing or playing in this case with house money. Nah, you got to put some expectations on this. And again, they're not that great. They're not that bad. They're somewhere in between are the Colts. But they are good enough to get to where it would be more exciting. And I'm talking about a postseason matchup. And then that's when you start using those cliches now. That's when you can deal with a little bit of house money. I'm sorry. Expectations for me on Saturday night, a home game against a division rival that you've already beaten with all that on the line is great because you're going to get a look at this, right? You're going to get a look at it, and then you're going to be able to sit back and who knows what may happen with Jacksonville coming up on Sunday. But take care of your business on Saturday. That's what it is to me. And you can say, well, those are lofty expectations. No, no, no. Play with house money in the postseason. That's going to make everybody around here euphoric because it has been few and far between been so much losing and I've always explained I think a part of that in terms of losing kind of puts you in the category of you want to start talking about off seasons and free agency and draft picks and all this stuff that matters further down the road I want you to be able to live in the moment these are the good times shout out to Sheik and Nile Rogers these are the good times and again This is not a great team. This is not the team that you expect it to be in the future. And you can worry about the future one of these other days. But nah, put the expectations on a team at home that has going into the postseason directly in front of them. Give you a great example. No matter how this thing goes down, If we're on Sunday, or in this case on Monday, talking about this team losing to Houston, I don't care who's out there on the field. I am going to be incredibly disappointed. And you should be too. And that's what it's like. And this is also a part of, this is a part of growth. And you should be used to it because this is the similar situation we've gone through with the Pacers as well. And you know what? If it's surviving, Surviving at home against the Raiders, then so be it. Surviving at home against the Texans coming up on Saturday night, then so be it. But those are and frankly have been my expectations for the better part of the month as this all started to evolve as a winnable product. 
I mean, hell, not just a wild card, but a winnable division it has become. And that's what makes it fun. It hasn't been fun around here in a while, has it? It hasn't really been fun. Everybody thinks it's fun for us to sit around and complain. It's not. Not good for business either. Bottom line is better served if the teams that you cover win. That is a universal description. I'm just in bigger markets. I mean, universal. You're just going to be happy if your favorite team wins, and then you can go out, you can get on the internet, do whatever you want, talk junk to your friends about, hey, this is the team that I follow. This is my home state. This is my hometown. This is what they do. Ah, big Saturday coming up. I cannot wait. I am so happy that this team is in that situation. I just don't want them to foul it up. And you know what? Against Houston, it's going to be a different animal because this quarterback, even as a rookie, this quarterback is, and a shout-out to Aiden O'Connor, who I thought played really well after doing really little to nothing in the week prior in a win over Kansas City. I thought he looked good against the Colts D. You can take that for what it's worth, good or bad. They got the win. But this is going to be a different animal altogether coming up on Saturday night. And that's what makes it fun. So, yeah, get back in the swing of expectations and not worrying about what the hell goes down in 2029 and how many picks you have and how much cap space you have. This is why you're a fan. This is why I love sitting here and talking about this. Great position for the Colts coming up on Saturday, and we've got a full level of conversation to hit, too. I was trying to think, going back to Sunday afternoon's game, I mean, yeah, it was disjointed, but this team's disjointed. It's disjointed because that is the team, and you just look at it this way. You look at it this way within your building and a Houston team that's a division rival that you've already beaten. If I'm going to tell you this, this is what's funny. You look back to the start of the season, you know, people like me thought that they were going to go under six and a half wins. That was the Vegas odds. Can you imagine if, let's just say, for example, some numbnut comes up like me and goes, hey, here's what I think is going to happen. I think that the Colts are going to have a chance on the final week of the regular season, final home game of the regular season, and a win and you're into the postseason and still a chance of the division. Wild card, whatever. If I would have told you that, how many of you would have said, oh, yeah. Yeah, you guys would have said, how much have you been drinking? How much have you been smoking? How much of both have you been doing? Yeah, that's what makes it feel good. But you don't get that total feeling until they actually cash it in. But that's what makes it feel good out of this. I'm going to tell you, building on Sunday, fired up. That goes back to the week prior, actually the week, two weeks prior to that Steeler game, and that building was as fired up on a Saturday night as I can remember. I mean, it does. It does stir the memories of those times when, you know, that was the norm, that type of atmosphere, that type of game. In a primetime situation, that was the norm. You get Joe Buck, you get Troy Aikman coming up on Saturday night, and there is going to be a buzz around this city once again. We thought against the Steelers it was going to be something, and in fact it was. But you wait and see this coming up on Saturday night down here. 
It is going to be absolutely outstanding. And there are the Colts, one went away from going into the postseason. And we don't have to start talking about the offseason or what's going to go down in the offseason just yet. You can get back to the postseason and thoroughly enjoy that. Think about what you were talking about at the tail end of the year, going into the final regular season weekend of 2022, as it would stand. Think about that. Think about that Texans game for a moment. It's just a comedy of errors. We were making jokes. It was like a circus. And this is for real. I've seen a lot of things, too. You know, what are the Colts going to do for the future? And again, we're going to keep that in the future. But with whatever you think about Gardner Minshew, the one thing that I can sit here and tell you right now, yeah, I don't care what happens. And I know everybody believes that Anthony Richardson is going to be okay because of that final year in Florida. He's going to be okay. You know, don't look at what's happened this year with the shoulder being done for the season. I know everybody looks at it that way, but there's no way in the world that Gardner Minshew, Gardner Minshew should sign the deal. Just go ahead and be it. I'm not suggesting he's the end-all, be-all at that position, but he has been very good for this team at that position as a number two quarterback, which is now more than ever incredibly necessary. There was a point in time when I remember arguing I remember arguing with people about the Bill Polian moves and the motives of how he had a backup to Peyton Manning. And I said back then, it didn't matter. I love Jim Sorge, don't get me wrong, but it doesn't matter. It does not matter because the expectations combined with the impact that an injury to Manning would have on a particular team of that era, then you're going to live up to your expectations, so it's over. You're done. Why even consider that? And we saw what happened, obviously, when he was done. When he was done, he was done. When he was done, they were done. But you fast forward now, and it is just a different generation. You have to make sure that you have a good, a reasonable to good backup. But then when you find somebody that fits so well and is so understanding of the situation, and I know a lot of people still get on him. I mean, heck, if he makes mistakes, we're all going to get on him. If any quarterback makes mistakes, we're going to get on that quarterback. But there's no reason in the world why you would want to take Minshew out of the equation for the foreseeable future around here. I'm not suggesting as a starter. But as a backup plan, again, you have no idea what the future holds. If it is a healthy Anthony Richardson and it turns out to be what a lot of people believe, then thumbs up, so be it. But you have to have you have to have an option in case of emergency break glass. And I think we've all seen around the NFL where that is incredibly necessary now. I mean, hell, how many of the quarterbacks have you seen here in the past month of the season taking on the Colts that are in a similar situation? Got to have it. Yeah, even if he is not the end-all, be-all, even if you find yourself at times a little bit frustrated because he didn't see an Alec Pierce running down the field or you know, didn't do that according to plan, he is still a longer-term need for this team. As he was this year, he's going to continue to be. And I'm assuming that most of you are glad that they didn't showcase him and then trade him at the trade deadline. (laughs) 
<laughs> a lot of you are glad of that. So shout out to the Colts putting themselves in a situation that most of us felt they would not be in, could not be in this year. And they are in that coming up on Saturday and what should be, and again, an outstanding atmosphere, not just in that stadium, but in and around downtown Indy. It is going to be an atmosphere that is going to be even better than it was a couple of weeks ago. So celebrate that. Have some fun with it. I'm assuming that you will. Pacers, a winner last night on the road in Milwaukee. That's what I call a really good win. And not just because they were playing Milwaukee, but because they, they've done here recently, and they did last night, a lot of things that you often wonder. We sit and we talk often about the depth. And then sometimes you're more enamored by the depth than, than ultimately the depth shows you. But last night, it was consistent for you. You know, Benedict Matherin, 25 points. Matherin actually didn't. He got Matherin got the start. Or let me check that. No, I'm sorry. Matherin came off the bench, but obviously you had the Nimhard injury. But part of that bench effort, that huge bench effort, was Matherin. Isaiah Jackson was huge with his 18 points. What did he have? Ended up with nine rebounds, I think. I think they got 11, 18, 16, and 25 from Toppin Jackson. McConnell was big again. And then, as I mentioned, Benedict Matherin. But that was a night last night when you needed to lean on the bench and you got the opportunity to do that. That was also a night to where you can point to this defense progressively getting better. We've wondered if they were going to be capable. Going to be capable of at least putting the defense in a situation to where if you're still going to be an offensive flowing team like that and put up big numbers, at least try to get it closer. You can't be giving up 135 per game. And let's face it, the games that we have seen, and this was a game last night against a good team, the numbers have been much better defensively. And again, it wasn't the greatest of nights for the starters last night. But the bench and Matherin picked them up against a really good team and against a place where a really good team had not lost in a long time. That was a fantastic win. Now, again, this team can be up and down. Don't get me wrong. You get the same team in Milwaukee coming in on Wednesday. And I didn't even factor in what took place the last time the two teams met. The whole game ball or shaking hands or you know whatever was the reason behind the discord discontent that took place after the game i think rick carlisle's done a great job of trying to separate he and his team from that mess i saw there was another story yesterday in the milwaukee journal sentinel about how it was Giannis who felt that the Pacers were disrespectful and not wanting to shake hands or what. I mean, you're not going to sprint back to the locker room ferociously like that because you want to shake somebody's hand. But whatever. What I'm saying is they continued talking about it and mentioning it, and Rick Carlisle had tried to separate he and his team from that. That's a good thing. But that team down the stretch played with a level of poise on both ends. Honestly, if you could bottle that, that's that's some type of you'd want to get more. 
out of your starters than they did. But that's the type of – that was like a playoff type of field game for me. If you could bottle that, that's what you would want to see in a postseason game. That type of effort on both ends, and especially what you got off the bench. And again, you'd want more of a balance with the starters, but that's why when people talk about how you have depth and you have great depth, that's why you have that depth is because of that, because of those situations. You look on the other side of it, you kind of wonder when Milwaukee is going to find their depth. But they got basically everything out of their starters and, you know, off the bench. It wasn't anything like what you got from the Pacers. Now, that was a good quality playoff type of win. That's not one where you can go back like Saturday and say, well, you know, the Knicks made a trade and two of their dudes were gone or their new dude and Ananobi wasn't here. Or, ah, you know what, Chicago, Chicago's without these guys. There wasn't anything where you could say or lay claim to, "Eh, yeah, but that wasn't a yeah, but game last night. That was an impressive road win. And again, you talk about poise and a way to close. What did they get especially down the stretch that most impressed you? They got defensive stops. They got defensive stops. Now, there are a couple of fouls that you look at and you wish that they had back. But they got stops. Knocked down some free throws. T.J. McConnell was so – that hustle play, that is to me. And I know you're going to say, well, he missed a couple of free throws. Whatever. I mean, Miles went to the free throw line, knocked them both down. That made up for it. But that McConnell play – is yet another reason, another example why you want him a part of this team. And you and some of your jackwad trade ideas, stop. That's why you want him a part of it. That's why you want him as a part of this team. Because what did I tell you? There are going to be moments when he is – there are going to be moments in which he's not going to play. But there are going to be moments when it is outlined, highlighted, why he is so valuable to this team and that performance last night and that play late in the fourth last night when everybody else gave up on it. McConnell didn't. That's huge. That is is huge. And I know everybody's going to say it's so overrated about how you're going to teach these guys to play like that. That is not overrated. That is not over. When you see this dude going at it that hard, you see anybody on this team, on this roster right now that doesn't want to try to match that, even if they're unable to match it at that level, which as we've seen around the NBA, not a lot of guys can match the intensity and the play hard of T.J. McConnell. But certainly what you do is you outline that from McConnell and then everybody else wants to also, you know, you feel like you don't want to be left out of the equation of not doing that, not playing that way, not going after it that hard, man. So important to the youth of this team, the growth of this team. And you saw it once again last night. Then you add 16 points to the equation, and that's nice. Pacers get a win over Milwaukee, and again, I thought that that was, if not their best, one of their better wins of the year. Because last time, as we well know, it was a struggle. There was controversy. And the one thing you also know is 
the Pacers, they're under the skin of the Bucs. Now, it doesn't take much to get under the skin of Bobby Portis. I think if you just like walk in the – he's going to find a reason to be pissed about something when he walks into the arena. But you can tell they view the Pacers as something different than they once did. Like The Pacers are now in the crosshairs in a fashion, in a way in which they never have been with that team. That was a big deal last night. It really was. Hopefully they can play off of that tomorrow night when they get the Bucks back here at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. All right, we got a lot to talk about that today. The Big Ten season, I guess the second half, if you want to call it that, begins coming up tomorrow night. Uh, we'll bring that up with Greg Rakestraw and a lot more coming up here a little bit later on in the show. Actually, bottom of the hour, I believe, for Greg, who also is the Colts post-game show host and I'm assuming had a lot of good things to talk about over the course of that show on Sunday late afternoon and early evening too. I got to thank everybody for being a part of the Jamby Takeover on New Year's Eve. It was absolutely outstanding per usual. Now, I will also tell you this, because of Saturday and because of the stuff I have to do regarding the Colts and the Colts pregame and all that, we will adjust things. So no Saturday JMV Takeover on B105.7. However, we will do a Friday JMV takeover. So my Bud Light Blue Friday is at the garage, right? Over at Bottle Works at the garage, I believe. Bud Light Blue Friday. We're going to have tickets, by the way. You got to attend that too. Texans Colts tickets to give away. Uh, that big mammoth game on Saturday. Redundant. But after that, I'll get back down here and I'm going to try to get here by seven and it will be to be determined. I'll go until uh, midnight, maybe a little bit after. But we'll do a JMV takeover on Friday night, coming up this Friday night. Uh, of course, your reaction to what was a fantastic weekend and a transition from 23 to 24 is brought to you by the Shane Company. The Shane Company, fine jewelry since 1929. That's the Shane Company, that fine jewelry you can find at shaneco.com today. Greg Gregstraw is going to join us. Bottom of the hour, Brad Spielberger of Pro Football Focus will be here. That is, I believe, what, 4 o'clock today for Brad to Pro Football Focus. And then Bob Kravitz, bobkravitz.com is going to be here coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. I did watch a couple of good college football games. I forgot all about Michigan cheating. I did. That was just a good college football game. I forgot all about everybody talking about the opt-outs and all that has affected the bowl season. I know that it has. But for a moment, because it really mattered that much, you got Michigan, Alabama, you got Washington and Texas. I thought yesterday afternoon and last night was some incredible enjoyment watching college football. And a shout-out to Michael Penix. Michael Penix played as well as a quarterback could. Michael Penix, Michael Penix was, to me, watching him play. Anybody else follow this last night or think about it? Remember what I said regarding C.J. Stroud last year with Ohio State and what he did in tearing up Georgia? Now, we all know what happened. I mean, Georgia ended up getting the win, but what C.J. Stroud did, that was my thumbnail sketch of why I liked him at the NFL level. Why I liked him better than anybody else. I thought, hey, he is playing against talented dudes. I got a little bit of a feel, and I'm certain Texas is not at the ability of Georgia a year ago. But I kind of got that feeling. Penix kind of felt a little bit C.J. Stroudish. 
last night, and you could not have played better at quarterback than he did. That is well done right there. A couple of fun games to watch. James tells me to go to break, and we shall. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live, if you're watching right now, you can see me rocking the Rax t-shirt, by the way. You can join us. We got anything to give away this week? We start out with nothing in 2024, huh? It was like becoming kind of part of the course. Yeah, I mean, we do have uh, bullseye tickets, don't we? I believe we do have some yeah. bullseye. Bullseye is going to be fun as hell. Seems like 2024, if you're going to start a week, we should start a week by giving back. You know, you would think Especially so. a week like this. Hmm. I need to look into that here. Because we have been without, we have been without way too damn long. But uh, Bullseye Pass is certainly coming up a little bit later on as well. As I mentioned, Greg Rakestraw, bottom of the hour. Brad Spielberger, PFF, 4 o'clock hour. Bob Kravitz, 5 o'clock hour. We'll do a lot of me and you and two at 239-1070. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Jump in there. I'd love to see you. We'll converse in a moment, too. I know Indiana State did look good. Struggle with rebounding, struggle with turnovers, and Michigan State late got going, and the Sycamores couldn't match it. Sycamores start the uh, bulk of the Missouri Valley Conference season. I'm telling you, I'll put expectations on them, too, and Josh Shirts. Nothing matters for them as much as what's going to matter in St. Louis in March. But this needs to be a tournament team. They need to be a tournament team. And to be a tournament team, you're going to have to win your conference tournament in March. But it would be nice not to have a hangover against Evansville. Good effort on Saturday. But, um, yeah, just not not enough rebounding, not enough glass work, not enough uh, – had moments where they didn't take care of the ball. Uh, Avalon had a no-show, foul troubles. But, man, their guards – and, and Swope was awesome. Something we'll talk about with Greg coming up on the other side. All right, 239-1070. If you guys want to jump on board, you can certainly do that regarding the weekend. We can talk about that with you as well. The stream, the app, HD Radio, and getting started. The first day back in 2024, after three, the ride with JMV. 93.5107.5 The Fan. The ride with JMV. You just got your asses whipped by a bunch of Damn nerds. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Minshew goes out of the gun. Looks to pass. Looks left. In the pocket. Rolls out to his right side. Throws on the run. That's a catch. In the plus territory. Down the near sideline. Go the Colts. Josh Downs inside the 30. And then scrambles down to the Raiders 20-yard line. Enormous play. It's a gain of 50 to Josh Downs. And the Colts, one play just like that. Now they're at the red zone of Las Vegas. Yeah. It's uh, Matt Taylor right there, the voice of the Colts. I love, this show always does, whether it's this show or the Jamvy Takeover. We always do what, James? We're always working from plus territory. That's us right here. Thank you very much, and a happy new year to everybody out there inside the lounge via YouTube Live. And I do understand regarding Penix, uh, his uh, elder statesman status. I'm just saying in terms of the impact of the quarterback, and how he played last night for Washington, 
I I was taken back to a year ago regarding C.J. Stroud. I'm not trying to talk about you know where he should be drafted, you know round number one where he's going to be, you know a future under center in the NFL. I'm just talking about the impact that he had, the effect that he had on that game last night was reminiscent to me to that of C.J. Stroud of a year ago. That was a thought. Both of those games, highly impressive. Brad Spielberger, PFF, top of the hour. More on the Colts and some of those numbers. A return to where they need to be on the offensive line. There wasn't a lot of Max Crosby conversation. Crosby, Koontz, that combo got held down. Exactly what you were looking for in that matchup this past Sunday. That and more. Brad Spielberger coming up top of the 4 o'clock hour. Bob Kravitz, bobkravitz.com. 5 o'clock hour on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. It is a new year on a Tuesday at 3.30 with uh, Greg Rakestraw. Hello, Greg. How are you? I'm good. How was the uh, big old takeover party on Sunday night? We got a uh, first-time call from Voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher, at about 11 o'clock. On Sunday Once evening. Once he called him, like, oh, I can't be the best broadcaster to call this show. I'm going to bag it. So. <laughs> he calls in and wants Earth, Wind, and Fire, Boogie Wonderland. So we got that and a bit of a Larceny Bourbon double shot power with uh, Let's Groove, followed by Brothers Johnson and Stomp. So we went uh, back to back to back, very funk-worthy tunes, courtesy of the voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher, the legendary Don I, Fisher. I am trying to picture in my mind, because Don's looked the same for like 45 years. So I'm trying to picture <laughs> in my mind early to mid-70s fish getting down on the dance floor to Earth, Wind, and Fire. He's still kind of mean rug, I'm sure, right now. I'm trying to think of back in the day when this song was coming out and picturing fish on the dance floor. I think that he would be just fine. If you go back to the film Semi-Pro with Will Ferrell and the the nightclub that they were in and doing all that, he would fit fine with that attire during that era. And I'm assuming that's the era in which he thrived, yeah. Dick Pepperfield can't hold Don Fisher's jock as a play-by-play guy. Let's establish that right now. Dick Pepperfield is money, though. Don't get me wrong. He is an awesome play-by-play voice, no doubt about and that. clearly, I work with the modern-day version of Will Arnett's character in Bob Lovell. There's, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, no doubt. So Greg Rakestraw is with us. I want to start right there with that Colts performance. I, they did all they needed to do to get the win. However, I've said this for about the month, past month or so. I, I put expectations on this group, and some people suggest I'm right. Some people suggest that I'm wrong. But I have expectations on this group, much like I have expectations on Saturday. Tough team, tough rookie quarterback, end of the season, winner-take-all, must-win situation, all that in mind. My expectations are the Colts to punch their ticket to the postseason, and then you kind of lean back and see what happens on Sunday. So easier said than done. Where do you start with trying to control this Texans team on Sunday night here? It comes down to the pass rush. You know, when these two teams played back in week number two, Colts obviously got the early turnover and played from downhill, you know, for the entirety of the game. Uh, you know, they, they, they built a, a huge first half lead, kind of hung on at the end with the way Stroud moved the ball up and down the field. Um, so I think the same holds true that has been the case for this team all year long. If the Colts don't turn the football over, there's a very good chance they're going to win a football game. And that's really basic one-on-one football. But, man, it seems to really ring true for this team. That this team, they can follow the script and stick to the game plan. 
the game plan put together by Shane Steichen seems to be a pretty good one. More Sundays, or in this case, Saturdays than not. What they don't have the room for is the margin of error to overcome mistakes. So to me, it's about primarily what this team can do offensively. Secondarily, now defensively, to get to the quarterback. Uh, again, Stroud's mobile, but not a guy that's going to look to run just to run. Uh, and so if you can get pressure with the front four, uh, which this team has done not every Sunday, but more often than not, if you do that, you've got a chance to win. Other thing that I, I think will be massive, and this is not local Homer on radio, but it's almost like this team has flipped in terms of at the beginning of the year, they were better on the road than they were at home. And over the last month, it's gone the absolute other direction. I mean, the last two teams the Colts have, have, have had you know double-digit leads on for good chunks of games, the Steelers are a nine-win football team, and the Raiders were still in playoff contention when the Colts played them. So I do think the factor of being at Lucas Oil is very big for this football team on Saturday night as well. Well, you certainly would rather them be here than you would down in Houston. I mean, don't get me wrong on that, too. And this is, um, you know, this is – I say this, too. Uh, it, it just, to me – it is kind of the wonder of what can take place. I love the fact you're playing on Saturday night in front of that primetime audience, that that's how those that make those decisions in the NFL and the television networks, they view the product because it's winner take all. You just would hate to see them get there and then lay an egg. And, Greg, I say that because – I've mentioned this team as being on a roller coaster ride basically for a better part of the season. It's not like that that has stopped. So consistency of putting together back-to-back performances is, to me, what you got to lean on coming up on Saturday because it will be incredibly disappointing if this team is not a part of this playoff picture. It will be because you and I both know that that this has been a good year for this football team. No doubt that any time you can go from four wins and laughing stock to winning season, improving your win total by five, hopefully six, hopefully more than that, it's good. It's been a good year. But you know what the best part about winning is? There's no yeah buts. If this team doesn't win on Saturday, there's a big old yeah but going into the off season. You don't have to worry about that. You get to 10 wins, you're in. You're a playoff team. And then whatever kind of happens on the back end of that is is gravy. Something I wanted to double back to that you said about getting that primetime window. And obviously, look at this Colts schedule. We go, hey, there's no Thursday night game. Hey, there's no Sunday or Monday night game. Um, but the Colts, I think, have played now a couple of 4 o'clock kicks. One on Sunday, one on Saturday. Go back and double-check this. I think this may be the first time the Texans have not played on a Sunday at noon Central Time all year. <laughs> they refuse to be. Check it, James. I'm getting James on it right now. I'm getting James on that right now. Because uh, I, I, I saw something fly by on Twitter, and I think they've literally had the Sunday early window for every game <laughs> this year until this one. So these are two teams. And, and I saw the fans post about, hey, a lot's different, you know, in the 16 weeks since they last played. Think about the fact that these two are playing the last game of the regular season against each other for you know for the second year in a row, and think about how remarkably different the setting for that game was. Two different head coaches, obviously. Now they both took quarterbacks in the first round. 
not only has the world changed in four months, the world has changed a heck of a lot in 364 days or maybe 363 since these two teams last saw each other at Lucas Oil Stadium at the end of 2022 season. So Greg Rakestraw is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. You mentioned the pass rush being as important. It's right up there to me with obviously maintaining the football, not giving the football away. Um, because you look at that secondary, the back end of it, I mean, Aiden O'Connell, who couldn't do anything against Kansas City, and I know people are going to say, well, he wasn't challenged with needing to do anything. But, I mean, the optics in this case do matter. He was unable to do anything against Kansas City, and he did a lot of things against that Colts secondary. So, without question, you up that game to a level in which, at a level in which we haven't seen in a while at that quarterback position, even with a rookie in C.J. Stroud. How good does this defensive line, how good do they have to be at getting after him, uh, being uncooperative with him in chasing him down because that secondary, let's just face it, that secondary is incredibly rough. Right, and and so this game's going to be won by the front six of the Colts. Okay, The front four... And you feel good about the linebacker position in terms of speed and Franklin. What, and even though those two guys led you in tackles on, on Sunday, what you saw a slight carryover on was some missed tackles or big plays where guys broke contained. You know, third down conversions, the number wasn't exorbitant for the Colts allowed, but the ones the Raiders got, they were like third and double digits. Uh, and, and, and those were absolute, you know, That'll suck the air right out of the building on Saturday night. Well, you cannot do that. So, again, we, we can have the philosophical debate that Lord knows I have after every postgame show about blitzing or not blitzing. This team doesn't blitz, and when they do, they frankly don't do it well. I, I, I can think of, of one time where there was an effective blitz, and it got the ball out of O'Connell's hand quickly, I think on third and four, and they had to punt the ball away. But even when this team does blitz, it doesn't seem to get home. So you know what? Brush your four guys, drop six, seven guys in coverage, help out the young guys on the back end, keep them in front of you. And 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 if and if this comes down to a matchup of, of, of touchdowns versus field goals, I like the Colts' chances come Saturday night. Yeah, you win on Saturday night. You get to sit back and relax and then watch what could be, what might be on Sunday. That's pretty awesome, Greg. It is. Uh, and I'm just hoping that Saturday night isn't my last postgame show for the season uh, because my, my level of interest on Sunday probably changes yeah. dramatically whether the Colts are playing next weekend or not, John. No, there's no doubt about that, too. And it just you, you look at you look at I like the fact that the Colts, th- this is your situation. This is your situation. You go out and win, and no matter what happens um, on Sunday, you're in. So no matter what happens, you're in. And you can just kind of sit back and relax, see what Jacksonville does, and uh, see what everybody else does around you. There was a lot of counting of fingers and toes. I think I whipped out an abacus at some point in time in Sunday's postgame show, trying to figure out all the different playoff scenarios. I like I, I like the ease of scenarios I have to deal with on Saturday night. Either you know we're basically having you know the the sports talk version of JMB Takeover on Saturday night, or it's a tear in your beer edition, one of the two. Well, I'm going to Friday night. So I'm well, moving it to Friday night. I yeah. saw that on social media, John. I follow. I am moving it to Friday night. Uh, I will say this. Um, I put out there, because I think Saturday around here is going to be so awesome. I actually put out there to D. Wood and to Sean. I said, here's what we can do. 
I said, I can come in at about noon on Saturday, do some JMV takeover up until about 4, and then jump over and do the pregame stuff, and then go over to the game, and then... Hopefully, if the Colts were to win, you're going to have an ecstatic group coming out of there. We'll back to the JMV takeover afterwards right there. Now, that is unique local radio at its finest. You like that idea? That was very organic, John. That, that was shot down. <laughs> yeah, that was – it wasn't shot down. I just think they would rather me not be spread that tight, I think. So – well, they haven't worried about it in the 15 years you've been working there, John. Why, start, why, you know, why think about it now? So, yeah, maybe I am. Maybe it was shot down. Maybe they didn't. You like the idea, though, is what I'm saying, right? You like that idea? I, I like creative and different. Um, but as, like, the only person that ever acted as, like, your guardian and gatekeeper in that building, uh, I find it comical they were worried about, you know, you being spread through that. I, I, made, I made an excuse for that. I, you know, they, probably didn't, they probably didn't want me to be on in the afternoon. So, yeah. Now we're back to not caring about Jonathan. Now all is right in the world again. Yeah. Hey, before I let you go, one quick thing, too. You get Purdue starting up the remainder of the Big Ten schedule tonight. You get Butler back in the Big East schedule tonight. Both teams on the road. IU tomorrow on the road in Nebraska. Indiana State and that loss on Michigan State with those four teams in mind. Some thoughts on what could be tonight, what could be tomorrow night, and what was back on Saturday at the Breslin Center. Well, as far as Saturday from Indiana State, it was slightly a missed opportunity, but again, I think the song likely remains the same. Yeah. Um, you know, Indiana State has racked up enough wins, and because they've been competitive with the two major conference teams they have played. I think there is a scenario if they can get, I, I want to say the Valley plays 20, maybe 18. I could be wrong about that. Um, let's do the match real quick. I think, the, I think the Valley has 17 more games to play. I think they can play a, a full 20 game, uh, not a full, but 22, but 20 games of, of a league play. If the trees can go to like 18 and two in the Valley, maybe they don't have to win Arch Madness, but more than likely that's the scenario. And so Saturday may have provided them a, a little more cushion, but just the way of the world, you know, multi-bid leagues outside of the top six or seven are nearly impossible to come by. Indiana has a Indiana State has a slight chance of not having to win Arch Madness. But for the safety of everybody involved and, and sitting there and sweating it out for a week, they're probably better off, you know, with, with, with just win the whole darn thing. And that way, you know, John's not sweating it, you know, for seven days. I just um, yeah, I just consider and, that having to be it. Yeah. Right. Don't even consider I otherwise. Concerned. This is you know so similar to the last couple of years, where but especially now they are everybody's Super Bowl, and so you are going to get everyone's best effort on the road. Teams will not struggle to find motivation to fight to play you, but again for the most part, Purdue's kind of dealt with that the last couple of years. So Maryland's a place that seemingly has given them fits. And I know this is an, an important week with Illinois coming right down the pike uh, for Purdue. Uh, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll, again, we'll see the growing level of maturity for Purdue with a road test in league play, knowing that's what got them the last time. Uh, the only time they've been tripped up so far this year was the loss at Northwestern. And as far as Indiana and Butler are concerned, I, I think they're really in the same boat. It is simply about stacking wins because they've done enough in the non-conference and they play in such leagues where I think if they're a couple of games above 500 in their league, they're going to be going to the postseason. So I think Indiana and Butler's story, John, literally mirror each other at this point. Hey, I, I saw this from Rick Simler. Did you see the story regarding Sherrard? 
I have not, no. Um, this is from Rick Simler um, over at Channel 10, WTHI in Terre Haute. Multiple sources close to the situation inform Sports 10 that Indiana State Athletic Director Sherrod Klinkscales is out as ISU AD. Effective December the 31st, Angie Lansing will serve as interim ISU Athletic Director. Hmm. I have, it's the first I have heard of that. I, and I, I, just, will, uh, I just saw it just now, too, come across my I'll desk. Start, I'll start uh, hitting up my source and see what I can find out. Yeah, buddy. I appreciate you more than you know, man. We'll talk later on this week. I'll call you Friday night. You got it. Greg Rakestraw right there on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Literally just saw that regarding Sherrard. Um, Interesting, to say the least. Uh, we'll follow that a little bit, too. Obviously, you got some college Troop later on tonight. We'll double back to that, too. More of me and more of you at 239-1070. Of course, back in studio and brought to you by the Shane Company. Fine jewelry since 1929. Shane Company on this Tuesday made to shine. This is 93.5107 by the fan. The Ride with JMV. And the beat goes on. Yeah. And the beat goes on. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome back. Happy New Year to you. Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live. Get there. You can watch, participate, and uh, participation is key. Love to see you in there right now having the conversation. Crafters and Carmel, that's coming up on Thursday. Larcity Bourbon Locks, Luna Azul Tequila Shots. And then we're going to be at the uh, Garage Bottle Works coming up on Friday, on a Bud Light Blue Friday, where you can win Texans and Colts tickets for, well, a rather large game coming up on Saturday night. So much is going to be going on here on Saturday. Back into that in a second, and we're going to go ahead and fire up the phones coming up after our next guest via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline every Tuesday right here, even in the new year from Pro Football Focus, Brad Spielberger joins us. Hello, Brad, and Happy New Year to you. How are you? Happy New Year. I'm doing well. How are you doing? I want to start right here, a little bit off the board. We'll get to the Colts in a second. But you and your colleagues at PFF, what what is your insight, your intel, and your vision of Michael Penix Jr. under center in the NFL for the future? Yeah, very interesting prospect. Obviously, you can't ignore you know all the history there. I think he's torn both of his ACLs. He's had some kind of recurring shoulder issues. He's 24 years old. I want to say or will be on draft day. So. You know, all those things do matter. I mean, he, he started his first game in Indiana before, uh, what was, I think it's like before Baker Mayfield threw an NFL pass. Penix is already starting in Indiana. So, look, he has, his arm is extremely live. I mean, the guy can throw absolute lasers. Um, I do think the ball placement at times is not great and is bolstered by the fact that Romo Dunze is a top 15 pick. Jalen Polk and Jalen McMillan are both probably top 100 picks. So, you know, he's a good player. He can be elusive at times, not going to scramble a ton, but you saw last night some of the pocket presence, you know, kind of, you know, moving laterally to create throwing windows, stuff like that. Long answer short, um, I think he's probably falling in that, that date, uh, that early day two range. Like maybe some team does say, you know what, we're going to take the risk. We're going to take him at the end of the first round. But I think it's more of a, hey, we, we, we pass on the top guys. We're sitting here in the, you know, 35 to 55 range. And we're going to take a shot. That, that's where I have him personally. I think the PFF, you know, consensus is kind of in that, you know, twenty-five to forty-five or so range. How many, Brad, of those quarterbacks out there? I think we know a couple at least. But how many of those quarterbacks would go in front of him right now? I think definitively right now, you would say that the top three are going to be some order of Caleb Williams, Drake May, and Jaden Daniels. 
And then I think it's going to get very interesting. Let's say hypothetically, J.J. McCarthy at Michigan returns to college football, which I think is going to happen. Um, I, I think he would go ahead of Phoenix, even though I know he didn't look good at all yesterday. But tool-wise, he, he is very talented, and he's you know three years younger. Uh, and then Shadur Sanders, let's say he also goes back to Colorado. I think after the top three I mentioned, it's then uh, is it going to be Bo Nix or Michael Penix? Bo Nix is the guy at Oregon. Um, who's going to be the fourth guy? I think it's between those two players. Does the in terms of Penix Jr. Final thing about him too: age and injury history. How big of a role does that play in all this? It's huge. It's massive, right? Because obviously quarterbacks can play for a long time, and obviously guys have had injuries before. But I think it's more just about the you know the risk, right? Like I said, I think he's torn both ACLs, and also the shoulder stuff uh, might be even more concerning. It's like chronic shoulder things he's dealt with. He he mentioned last night in his post game interview, like or he got asked, but hey, you thought about retiring and didn't like. He, he genuinely considered hanging up the cleats. So he obviously has, you know, a pretty lengthy history there. I think the easiest maybe analogy would be, and obviously a little bit different because Hendon Hooker got hurt during, you know, the last game of the season last year for Tennessee. And so he had a, he had a torn ACL going into the draft process. So a little bit different, but similar scenario. Older player, transferred to a, you know, a better situation, played in an offense that really played to his strengths and accentuated his strengths and kind of hid some of his weaknesses. Um, had two, you know, wide receivers in Cedric Tillman and Jalen Hyatt that were both top 100 draft picks, and he went in what is it, mid to late third round. I think uh, Penix, because he's not hurt right now, um, you know, goes goes second round. But I think it's a pretty solid kind of analogy there between those two players. He is a Brad Spielberger, a pro football focus on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I had said uh, that there was no way that the Colts would win over six and a half games this season, and obviously that's what the odds had over underwise coming out of Vegas at the beginning. If you were – to have been told by somebody, me, you know, other knuckleheads, that the Colts would find themselves in this position, this situation, going into the final regular season weekend of the NFL campaign, would you have thought I or anybody else would have been crazy? Yeah, I do. I think it's interesting, though. This is not the time to pat myself on the back. When I'm wrong, I'm wrong, and I'm happy to admit it. I would have said more so because I had more faith in a bunch of other teams in the AFC. Um, but I actually did kind of sit back last year with Indy and say, like, there's still a lot of talent on this roster. They, they just, you know, they need a change of coach. They got to figure things out at quarterback. But you look at them last season, they were literally dead last in the NFL in EPA per dropback. So just basically their efficiency as a passing offense, they were the worst in the NFL last year. And you had to think that'll regress positively in some manner. Um, and, and then, you know, just you had to figure the defense would get some steps up from, you know, Dale Dengbo was kind of flashing at the end of last year. Woody Pay has shown some strides. So, look, I, I probably would have thought you were crazy, but I think for me personally, more so because I just thought that, you know, games against the AFC North and games against other teams across the conference, I would have said, yeah, they're going to lose a lot of these games. Like, if you told me they beat Baltimore, I'd say you're the craziest person on earth. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, 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 Brad Spielberger joins us. What, what is the, the most outlandish slash craziest playoff scenario that – you, you believe in going into this final weekend of the regular season. What stands out, I guess, to you, Brad? I think it would be a funny one. An insane one would be, so if the Bills lose to Miami and Pittsburgh beats um, Baltimore, who is playing backups, it sounds like, so it's very possible. And then I think Jacksonville would need to beat Tennessee, which I don't think we should see as a foregone conclusion at all. Um, then the Bills would not make the playoffs, right? So the, the Bills could win and get the two seed, 
or they could lose and miss the playoffs entirely without it being that crazy of a scenario. Because I do think Pittsburgh's going to win, and obviously Jacksonville could beat Tennessee. But frankly, I think it's the most obvious Mike Vrabel spoiler spot of all time. So that's probably the craziest scenario I see because Buffalo would be out of the playoffs as probably right now a top three, four team in the NFL. What would you make of the AFC South considering Jacksonville's situation? And that matchup with Tennessee coming up this week. What do you what do you make of? Let's just say worst case scenario happens to Jacksonville. What do you make of the entirety of the situation, and especially that with that team and Doug Peterson as they would move into the off season? I mean, I think it would be a bit catastrophic, just because you know I do think going forward now, potential wise, as crazy as this might sound, uh, the AFC South has potentially the best division in football if all these quarterbacks pan out. Um, and, and play really well. And, and just because of the infrastructure, a lot of them have in place. Like, I like all the coaches in the division now. Um, it would look really, really bad. I know they've had injuries. You know, the offensive line, Trevor Lawrence, obviously, Christian Kirk now recently. But but I still just don't know if that's an excuse because they've invested so much on that defense. And I know they just blanked the Carolina Panthers. But, I mean, the underwhelming nature and, and just the, you know, how bad their defense was the last six, eight weeks is, is catastrophic. I mean, it, it, they deserve not to be in the playoffs based on just that side of the ball alone. Um, and obviously the offense hasn't been great either. So fun division going forward. I think the potential to be stellar. Um, I don't think Doug Peters is going to get fired or anything, but I, I think maybe Trent Baalke, the general manager, gets fired. I made a bunch of luxury picks. Uh, I mean, you're drafting your third tight end in the second round. You drafted a backup running back who doesn't even play anymore in the third round. I mean, this is wasted a draft class, and you weren't there yet roster-wise to think that way. So Brad Spielberger, a pro football focus. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Some of the worries, and very exciting times here, don't get me wrong, but some of the worries that the Colts fans have right now is certainly about that secondary, which puts certainly a great deal of pressure and the onus on what they have up front for continuous QB pressure of C.J. Stroud coming up on Saturday night. What did you take away from this group with Aiden O'Connell pulling the trigger. And here's why I bring this up from Sunday is because he couldn't do anything, especially in the second half against Kansas City. Now, they didn't put him in those situations. They still won that game in Kansas City. He threw for almost 300 yards against the Colts in that secondary on Sunday, losing the game, but looked much better. Looked like a good quarterback. How much of that is a result of that Colts secondary, and how concerning is that secondary to you going into Saturday night? against Houston yeah it's a big part of it unfortunately I mean I do think Kansas City may have one of the best pass defenses in the entire NFL um but but the Colts you know it's good that Kenny Moore is coming back it sounds like for this game but the outside corners you know again there's there's potential for growth I like what I've seen from Juju Brent but it's concerning and you know the guys there have playing outside and then you lose Julian Blackman who has kind of underratedly been that rover down the box more so than the deep third free safety in years past and I actually think it's a role that suited him really well. He's a former corner in college. So he saw him sometimes kick out to the squad or, or carry tight ends and whatnot on occasion. And I think it's why he had so much ball production um, and made a lot of splash plays, even if there were some negatives too. It's, it's concerning because C.J. Stroud, I'll tell you, C.J. Stroud played a lot better than his box score this past weekend, and his box score was fine. Um, they just were up so, up so much early and kind of stopped throwing. Nico Collins and C.J. Stroud could do what Devontae Adams did, um, you know, uh, against his secondary as well. What do you make of Gardner Minshew 
throughout the course of the year. I mentioned this a little bit earlier. I'm really hesitant to get into the future uh, off-season conversation right now because of the Colts are still playing and, and, and still representing in the present. But to me, there was no way in the world this offseason you would attempt to do anything else at your backup quarterback, given the circumstances of Anthony Richardson. You have Gardner Minshew there this coming year and for the foreseeable future, just like you did this past year. Certainly to you, he has significantly played himself this season into that continued role, right? 100%. You know, I think he is a quality backup and maybe pushes himself to borderline price himself out. But I think he also probably understands, you know, like, okay, someone could give me the Taylor Heineke two years 14 elsewhere, or I could take two years 10 to return to play with Shane Steichen, know the offense, know the system, continue to help this young quarterback grow. And I don't know. I, I'm not going to speak for a guy and his money. I think he's the type of person that would that would take that second opportunity and second chance and just like trust the process. He obviously followed Steichen for a reason to the Colts in the first place. You know, I don't have any questions of like should he be a starter. There's nothing like that for me. You know, with all due respect, he's a good backup. I, I just you see you know, on a week to week basis, he's not going to be a starter in this league. But yeah, I would pay top end backup money for him. I think he had a phenomenal year given all he was asked to do. Um, and if I'm Indy, I am willing to spend a little bit extra to keep him, especially because you have the rookie contract quarterback. Like, that's a benefit. And I'm sure he's good, good in the, the quarterback room and, and helping him learn. Because I'll tell you right now, he makes the most of his athletic ability. And that has to suggest that he, you know, sees the field well or knows how to identify coverages, how to call out protections, all of these things that, you know, Anthony Richardson certainly needs help to grow in. So, yeah, long answer short, you know, maybe someone does offer more than I'm willing to do. But if I said, okay, I can pay, you know, one year, three million, kind of what his deal was for an unknown, or I'm going to have to, you know, step up and pay him two years, 10, I'd probably do it. So, Brad Spielberger joins us. What type of market would he find this offseason around the NFL, I guess? Yeah, so if you do talk to agents around the league, there is, I think, going to be an adjustment to backup quarterbacks where, and also guys that are kind of like starter potential players. I mean, Baker Mayfield will sign a similar deal. Uh, you know, one year, I think it was three and a half or four million, kind of similar to Gardner. And he was, you know, they said there was a quarterback competition. There wasn't. He was the unquestioned starter coming into Tampa. I think those type of players are going to sign stronger deals because it's just this was the year of the backup quarterback. And so many of them had to play. And I think so many of them showed you know, obviously a drop-off from an elite quarterback to one of those guys is fairly steep. But the drop-off of, hey, your starter is a is from, you know, 15 to 25 range. I'm not that this massive drop-off from that guy. Maybe my ceiling is lower and I can't ascend and become a better player, but I can win you football games and provide a lot of value. But if you look around the league in terms of how many teams, like, are going to be desperate to kind of make a splash for a quarterback of Gardner's, you know, like, caliber – I don't see as many. You know, I, I think there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to probably, you know, I think five guys go in the top 50 in the draft, like I mentioned. I think Kirk Cousins on the strong market. Russell Wilson probably still has a couple teams that will kind of, you know, ask around and look for a discount on it for his services because he has these massive offsets from Denver. And then, like, right there, the list is already kind of short for you. Um, so, yeah, like I said, it could be a stronger backup deal in the, you know, two years, 15, as opposed to one year, three. Um, but, but I don't see, you know, he's not going to get some, like, Teddy Bridgewater going to Carolina post-New Orleans. I think it would be a good comparison. Like, what was that, 363? Like, that market's not there in, in my eyes. Um, I think it just goes from, you know, like, paying a backup to be, to be there 
to spending extra on a backup because he provides assurance and stability. Yeah, it's, I mentioned this a little bit earlier. Back in the era of Manning here, um, people like me didn't really worry about the backup quarterback because you knew with, with that quarterback and those expectations, uh, if something happened, your season basically was over. But we have seen com- a complete changing of the guard right now as far as how a lot of teams are going to deal with that that backup quarterback and the quality in which, Brad, they're looking for. And, and this year, I think, is is probably the shining beacon of that through the years we have seen of the past. I think what happened was we, we've realized more in today's NFL, you can make your offense less quarterback reliant and, and can manufacture more positive gains and, and make things more kind of quarterback agnostic. Now, of course, you're still going to be elevated by having a better player at that position. And there's always going to be the eight to 10 guys that are kind of in their own echelon, that are guys you win because of, not because, you know, know, win with, all that stuff. Um, I know that you're kind of alluding to the Tom Moore quote. uh, I won't say it on the the radio airwaves, of course. But, um, (laughs) like, that's that's kind of a thing of the past because they just asked those guys to do so, so much. um, And and it was. The drop-off was steeper to backup quarterbacks back then. Now, because you have the dual threats and and different ways to approach offense, the drop-off is not quite as steep, and it's a bit of a different environment. All right, so Brad Spielberger, PFF, with us. Of course, Saturday night, Texans and the Colts, and the winner goes to the postseason, the loser stays home. And Brad's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So their first meeting of the season won by the Colts. Uh, Anthony Richardson played, went out with an injury. Gardner Minshew came in, ended up winning the game. Uh, There was no Jonathan Taylor yet. There was still Tank Dell as a part of the receiving core of Houston. There was um, certainly a lot of similarities, but then there are also some that that did not take part or did take part that no longer can. How you size up that initial meeting in comparison with what you expect coming up on Saturday night here? Yeah, I think one of the big things that jumps out to me is that the first month of the season, Houston had one of the worst run defenses in the NFL. They're now one of the best run defenses in the entire league for the whole year. I mean, they are top five in pretty much every rushing metric. And I mentioned EPA, success rate, you know, just, just more traditional stats, you know, things of that nature. They've gone from being, it being a weak link to being, you know, a, a massive, massive strength. And so whether it's Jonathan Taylor or whoever, you know, I think early in the year you felt, okay, we can get ourselves in second and short, third and short, get some third and manageable opportunities because of our run game. That really isn't a given against this current iteration of the Houston Texas defense. So that's the biggest change. Obviously, C.J. Stroud has seen a whole lot more, played a whole lot more defenses. You kind of know what you're getting from Gus Bradley, but he has been different this year. He's mixed up coverages more than the last three or four years, no question about it. Um, But, yeah, I think on the whole, the teams are relatively similar than they were in that first matchup. I I was kind of pulling this looking for this particular question. The only thing that jumped out was that evolution of Houston's run defense going from really bad to really, really good. Well, and the others are right now saying, well, wait a minute, Brad, what about the evolution of your rookie quarterback? But he was good in that game, too. So he, he was good in that game, much like yeah. he has been for the most part this season. No question about it. And Tank Dell is a massive loss. Like, I know he's a rookie, but uh, he was really coming along strong and, and was a focal point of that offense. They were starting to actually have plays in the game plan for him, uh, you know, like designed, manufactured touches to get him the ball as opposed to, you know, hey, go out there and run a simplified route tree and you'll be kind of, a, you know, an outlet beyond the Nico Collins, Robert Woods, et cetera. Like, he was becoming a, a, a you know, a real, real focal point. But, yeah, Stroud, Stroud has been good all year, no question about it. Here's the thing that concerns me, 
and you, you brought this up a little bit too, but in that first meeting, Nico Collins, seven receptions, 146. He was tough to contain by this Colts team. And then you you fast forward now, and he's obviously somebody without Tank Dell that you know that is going to be a major focus of C.J. Stroud and the Texans' offense. But then you saw on Sunday a guy that was a major focus in terms of the Raiders and Devontae Adams, and you knew that the Colts needed to blanket him, try to take him away, and they struggled in every single capacity in doing that. I guess the Nico Collins if you look at his situation and what he's able to do and his focus, and if the Colts can contain him in that game, that's the biggest question I would have, I think, going into Saturday night right now. I'm with you, too. And the big thing, though, is, you know, you still have the Colts leading the NFL in cover three, you know, the single high coverage. That's what Gus Bradley likes to do. I'm not saying it's good or bad, but Bobby Slowick and his Houston Texans offense knows how to attack the seams, attack the flats. They'll throw to their tight ends. They'll throw to their running backs. They'll, you know, manufacture touches again near the line of scrimmage for Robert Woods, even for Nico Collins at times as well. Um, and just know how to attack the weak spots of a single high coverage defense. And then, as I mentioned, you add in the injuries to some important pieces there, like a Blackman who I think would be great for kind of limiting some of their, their stuff over the middle. They attack a lot over the middle, a lot of crossing routes, mesh concepts, all these various things that I think he was becoming a really strong suit of this defense. Obviously, Kenny Moore is going to play a lot in that capacity as well, and it's good to get him back. But, yeah, like matchup-wise, scheme-wise, um, it, it does present some challenges. And then, like you said, just like player-to-player matchup-wise, it, it also uh, has some cause for concern. I know that you've been talking about it and writing about it, Brad. Before I let you go here, some other things going into this final regular season weekend, and whether it's a playoff scenario or just team scenarios in general, like what's going on with the Eagles, for example, what's going on with the Lions considering you know what took place in that game on, on Saturday night and how that worked out for them compared to the Cowboys. Some things you're going to be looking at and interested in going into this final weekend. Weekend. Yeah, you know, we talk about some of the playoff scenarios. The Eagles maybe losing out on the division, considering their start, is pretty wild. Um, the NFC, I think, is fascinating, too. You have Chicago is basically in the exact same scenario as the, the Lions were last year. They start 1-5. They slowly turn things around and then kind of come on really strong to end the year. They're going to an 8-8 eight eight Green Bay football team. If they win the game, they're in the playoffs. If they lose... It opens the door for the Seattle Seahawks. It's actually the exact same team uh, that, that could benefit from a Bears win. Like, that's going to be fascinating. And the last thing for me, too, is the odds that we get Matthew Stafford going to Detroit in, in a 6 first 3 matchup are very, very high with the, with the Cowboys-Lions result now. And I think that's going to be – I mean, like, talk about just goosebumps, him running out on the field of Detroit. I think it's going to be incredible. All right. What are you writing about, by the way? Yep, so I'm still – we're not there yet. I know we're in Indy. We're focused on the playoffs, but I'm, I'm all about free agency right now. We have top 100 free agents out there. There are some Colts, Grover Stewart, Julian Blackman, Kenny Moore, Michael Pittman, um, definitely a lot of guys on the team to focus on. And, of course, some guys to maybe sign in free agency. Colts are top 10, I think top five in cap space this year. I know they don't make a ton of splashes, but, you know, Samson Edelcam was a guy we loved last year and thought that was a phenomenal signing. Uh, so, yeah, th- th- I know we're still focused on 2023. Uh, but as soon as the calendar turns to 2024, I'm your guy at PFF.com. Hey, prediction-wise, what is your prediction on the AFC South and how it looks at the end of the weekend? I think the Tennessee Titans are going to beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. Unfortunately, I think the Houston Texans are going to beat the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, and I think we're going to get Texans as the four seed. And then I guess 
Pittsburgh would would sneak in. So you get uh, it's really quick. You get what Baltimore. Um, I'll go B- Baltimore, Buffalo, Kansas City, Houston, Cleveland, uh, Miami, and Pittsburgh. So you're not thinking the Colts are going to win the division, huh? Uh, unfortunately, I just, <laughs> I just don't love this matchup against Houston. I wish I like, – hey, like I said at the top of the show, I'm never going to lie to the people. I'm always going to be honest. Not going to play the No, that's okay. The hope, that's okay. I hope I'm wrong. Hey, I hope I'm wrong for all the listeners out there that are, you know, cursing my name. Uh, but I, I do think Houston's going to pull it out. Did uh, did anybody at PFF have the Colts winning the division this year? I'm, I would promise you that they did not. And I don't know <laughs> what's on my head, but I'm, I'm confident in saying that. <laughs> All right, man. It's always a pleasure. We'll see how this thing sorts out and talk at you next Tuesday. Sounds great. Have a good one. Brad Spielberger right there, pro football focus on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Hey, coming up next, going to be a lot of me and you at 239 1070 brought to you by the uh, AAA Travel Show. This is going to be a AAA Vacation Expo coming up Saturday, January the 13th. Of course, I want you to be a part of that. It does. When you get to this weather, right, you start thinking about your next vacation. This is a great way to be a part of it again triple a vacation expo and we'll travel around the phone calls with you coming up on the other side at 239-1070 email address jmv at 1075thefan.com inside the lounge via youtube live from michael Penix to the cult scenarios to what ifs coming up this weekend that and the pacers but the pacers last night to me that And I know you look back at the Celtics game, but I thought last night was the most impressive performance team-wise for the Pacers this season. One of the better teams in the NBA with a long win streak at home. Your starters didn't play that well, but the depth that we always talk about, that everybody brings up, The depth showed itself last night and showed itself incredibly. The best win of the season so far for the Pacers. Home and home, they get the Bucs coming up at Gambridge Fieldhouse tomorrow night. So we can talk about that. A little college. Got Purdue on the road tonight at Maryland. You got Butler on the road tonight at St. John's. IU on the road tomorrow at Nebraska. And uh, you got the situation with ISU athletic director Sherrod Clinkscales. Looks like that he is out as director of athletics over in Terre Haute. Follow that story and a lot more. But your phone calls up next. Brought to you by AAA Hoosier Travel. We'll do that coming up on the other side. 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. I love JMV. He looks like Rascal Flats guy. Got a cool soul patch. He does, and a buttery smooth voice. Oh, yeah. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Minshew under the gun. Two receivers left, including a tight end guard. Uh, make that Kylan Grant's on the left side. Play action. Minshew feeling pressure, taking a shot downfield for Alec Pierce. He's got it. Yards after the catch, the 10. Angling right for the 5, and he's at the pylon. Touchdown! It's a 42-yard strike. A bomb from Gardner Minshew to Alec Pierce. Touchdown for the Colts. It's 13-3. to There you go. Matt Taylor on the call right there. Colts Radio Network, Colts, Texans for a chance to, I shouldn't even say a chance, for the opportunity to go to the postseason. That's coming up. You got that right on Saturday night. And uh, 
It is uh, going to be fun around here. I saw Jim Irsay just tweet out 85,000 fans between the Pacers and the Celtics and the Texans and the Colts downtown here coming up on Saturday night. That's I'm sorry. That's how you want it. You want this level of excitement. I do. Because my clock is ticking right now. I don't have you know all the years for everybody else to worry about you know um, salary cap space and draft leverage and all that crap. I when the winning when the winning is there, be opportunistic with it. That's me. So I don't care anything about the schedule is conducive for the Colts, and this team is not – I'll tell you exactly what is real. This team is not very good, but it is in position to do something and make this thing fun again. And let's face it, it hasn't been fun. That opportunity is right there for them. Incredibly excited about that. <laughs> Hope you are too. Thank you very much. I'm sorry, I'm just laughing at my uh, ex account right now. Where Ruby just asked me, you up for some? And my response was, somewhat. (laughs) You up for some? Uh, This is from Sean at JMV. This came in the mail today. A history lesson from my youngest when I pulled up the pine tar video this is a george brett kansas city george brett's one of my all-time favorite players and in fact he is my white whale uh he has been incredibly elusive for me at the top of the list of those i have never interviewed but always and i mean always going all the way back i've been doing this for 19 years this goes all the way back 19 plus years in fact Always wanted to, and people have tried. Always wanted to interview George Brett, and I believe he said no a handful of times. But I need to give, like, I have a very good pitch. I mean, I go all the way back to where I'm 12. Actually, I'm sorry, all the way back to when I'm 10. Very good pitch. But uh, nothing so far. Ashley writes this, JMV, the other thing I love about T.J. McConnell you were talking about earlier is that it showcases big time last night, not afraid to be in the paint and bumping around with the bigs. And a couple of floaters on Giannis where he himself broke their entire defense down. I'm going to tell you this. And, and I, it, whether or not this is true, you may be skeptical. But on the lowest level of basketball, I've always considered myself this. Because you know how much I love basketball. You know how much I love to play basketball and how much I have played. I always came in a very good disguise. It was like, wait a minute. (laughs) And then by the time you figure out that, oh, wait a minute. And I know that there have been various levels of examples of how this dude can play. But... Is it just me or anytime he's matched up with anybody? Whether it was last night, it was, you know, Beasley last night. Who else? Lillard last night. These guys always seem surprised. And even their bigs always seem surprised when he's able to do actually what you're talking about. Again, it should be out there. There should be no mystery about him on how he plays, how hard he plays. But. Man, I never thought it's not 
anything wrong with being in a nice disguise. It just seems like guys take him like on both sides. I think teams in the past may have taken him for granted, and clearly the Pacers do not his level of importance. And I think on the other hand, some just don't pay him the interest that they should until it's too late. Absolutely love watching him play. Jeremiah Johnson says, great opening segment of 2024. 15 good minutes on the Colts, 15 good minutes on the Pacers. Should be an awesome weekend and a great year ahead. But the Pacers had their best win of the season last night. I'm assuming that a lot of you agree. And especially on a night when the starters didn't play well. Most of the starters didn't play well. Or play up to what you would expect. Man, the bench from Matherin to Jackson to McConnell picked him up and picked him up big time. This portion of the show brought to you by AAA and the AAA Vacation Expo, Saturday, January the 13th, as we'll travel around and talk to folks about this past weekend and a change of the sports calendar. It is T-Mobile Ray at 239-1070 right now. Hello, Ray. How are you? I'm good, John. Can you hear me? Ray, I got you. Go ahead, man. Hey, hey, um, I want I want to say something about the Pacers really quick. Why don't you? And then I'll then I'll move over to the Colts. Um, I see everyone saying it's a rivalry, John. It's not a rivalry. We've been tapping them guys back backsides all year long. Three and one on the year. This ain't a rivalry, baby. We we've been we've been. Oh no 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 no. Hold on, Ray. I've been saying in terms of the recognition they have been given by an Eastern Conference elite. That's how the Bucks view them. They viewed them as not so serious to now being serious. And you can tell by their reactions, their response, and the, the fact that a lot of times these guys are crotchety regarding the Pacers. That's a good thing. I mean, who really cares anyway? It's a good yeah, thing. I, yeah, I know. I know. You're just finding something to be pissy about, Ray. What do you want to be pissy for? Don't be pissy. Well, well, you're about to get angry with me because I'm about to get real pissy about with you. What, what can you possibly be pissy about on this day? About, let me, let, let, let's rewind the hands of time. December 4th, it was a Monday. I gave you a call, John, and you kind of laughed at me because I said, uh, what, what, what's, what, what's going to be the plans for the uh, playoff push? and their home game with Bullseye, and you laughed at me. You said, I don't know the division. I don't know if that's going to happen. Maybe playoffs, that, that may be a possibility. But I said division. I've been on this for a whole month now, and you laughed at me. Now, why in the world would I be pissy about that? So I get the best of both worlds. I get to laugh at your take, but then I get to soak up and embrace what could take place. Get the best oh, of both yeah. worlds sitting right here. I, I I kept that receipt. <laughs> man, Ray, you keep every damn receipt, man. Come on. I know oh, you yeah. do. But it's all right. Hey, listen, there is no doubt that you're going to say a lot of things just like you do in life, just like I do sitting right here, and there are going to be a lot that's going to be inaccurate. But you just roll with it. And I won. I've said this before. I, I get no enjoyment about being consistently negative about the sports teams around here. So when they can step up and do some things that are fun, that everybody can embrace and be a part of like this on Saturday, it makes it great. And it is far better for us here at this station to be able to celebrate that 
with you than have to piss and moan oh, yeah. like we did last year at this time about this football team. Far better for us. Oh, yeah. And, and, and you know, this is the thing I don't get, John. Uh, the, 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 the Texans are coming to town. Um, and, you know, I, I get my feel of the city yeah. from my ex or Twitter or whatever you want to call it. And everybody's seeming a little worried, and I don't understand it. You know, I, I look at something here. C.J. Shroud, and I'm an Ohio State guy, he played three years at Ohio State, and he never beat Michigan, and we're supposed to be worried about this guy coming to our city and trying to make some noise? Give me a break. I'm not worried about that guy. He can't even beat Michigan. I know he can't get it done in the big game. I'm ready. I'm pumped. Come you sound like I'll it. be there. You sound yeah, like man, it. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to hold it in, John, but I can't, man. I can't. This is big. I've been waiting all year for this, all year. T-Mobile all year. Ray, we'll get down there, and I'll see you in the excitement oh, yeah. that is going to be Touchdown Town. Oh yeah, let's go get it. That's T-Mobile Ray right there. See, had nothing to be pissy about that phone call, T-Mobile Ray. Come on now. Travel around the state and the goings-on in sports brought to you by Triple A and the Vacation Expo, Saturday, January the 13th. The JW Marriott downtown. Pre-register your chance to get $500 in Triple A travel voucher. AAA.com slash expo. Do that today. 239-1070. go to uh, Jonathan right here. Jonathan, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, good afternoon. I'm great. Happy New Year. Right back at you. Um, I got a. I had a great time at the game this weekend. I mean, I had a crazy Raiders fan and I took a photo op together. Nice. He had a silver mask on. I love that culture. Um, <laughs> he uh, he was great. Uh, it, the game didn't really go as as most fans wanted though, because it was just like so agonizingly careful, just playing not to lose, and the Raiders were viciously playing to win the game. Uh, that was the vibe the whole time. Uh, Bradley, Bradley's just not aggressive enough, and I think that your PFF guy's right. That's going to come down to them slicing and carving us up on defense. Um, and didn't Rake Straw say earlier that the blitz usually doesn't work? I think that's incorrect because when when they have done it, it's been effective. I, I think he was talking about it this past weekend. I don't think he was talking Uh-oh. about it. I, there are times, I, I, Jonathan, there are times this season where I certainly agree with you on that. And I brought up those times, but I think he was talking about that game against the Raiders on Sunday, not necessarily other games. Okay, yeah. Um, when we beat Baltimore miraculously, it, I think that the – I think I remember the front four being the sackers for the most part. I don't think it was all about blitzing, but I do know that blitzing only 18% of the time – isn't going to cut it against C.J. Stroud. He he hops around pretty well, even though he's not all that athletic, and he just finds his guy if you give him too much time. And you can't just hope for, like, super, super tight coverage for five or six seconds. Um, but, yeah, I think, uh, I think with a better defensive coordinator on Sunday, we would have the potential to beat them. It just looks like a really bad matchup, and I, I hope you can talk me out of it. Jonathan, I appreciate that call. We'll see if you can. I, there, to me, I don't even want to think about the disappointment on Sunday than going into Monday if they were to lose on Saturday night. And listen, I, I get what you're saying there, Jonathan, and I got what Brad Spielberger was talking about. C.J. Stroud is good, and this is a good team. But you have yourself in a spectacular situation, and I know your recent recall would be the Colts messing up 
in those situations, when you have it in front of you. And you go back to the year before last, and that was probably the, the biggest example of it we've seen. But now this is one where, to me, for this team and this season, the makeup of this season, what it was supposed to be and what it turned into, you could not ask for a better situation. And again, maybe maybe that is me losing everything else kind of in the shuffle. I think that's okay on a Tuesday. Nuts and bolts of it later on this week. But you are allowed to get excited and, and happy right now. And I want you to be. Uh, here's the statement from Indiana State. And there was no press conference. This is just a statement. I don't know what what's happening. But the statement is reading as follows, released today, ISU AD Sherrod Klinkscales from his agent Miles Solomon. I am forever grateful for the seven and a half years I served our student-athletes, coaches, and community as the director of athletics at Indiana State University. I thank former President Dan Bradley for his great opportunity. I'm especially blessed to have worked with the hardworking and talented members of the athletic department. So Sherrard Klinkscales has decided to step down from his role to pursue other opportunities. His departure was effective on December the 31st. And Deb, President Deb, quote, Indiana State University thanks Sherrard for his contributions and advancements to Sycamore Athletics. Under his leadership, he has helped raise the standard among ISU's athletics programs. We extend our best wishes to him in all his future endeavors. Yeah, that's short right there from Deb. <laughs> Yeah, Deb's a little bit short. All right, that's what's going on. The director of athletics, Sherrod Klinkscale, stepping down from that position. Uh, again, effective back on the 31st, and that announcement came via press release from Terre Haute earlier today. Quick break, we'll come back. More of your calls at 239-1070, and we've got Bob Kravitz at bobkravitz.com coming up at the top of the hour. On the road a couple of different times, Thursday and Friday. Crafters with a Larcity Bourbon Locks, Luna Azul Tequila Shots Thursday, and Bottle Works inside the garage at Bottle Works. On a Bud Light Blue Friday with Texans Colts tickets to give away. On a Bud Light Blue Friday. Again, Bottle Works, the garage on Friday with our friends at Bud Light. 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. We're not going to fall for a banana in the tailpipe. You're not going to fall for the banana in the tailpipe? It should be more natural, brother. It should flow out like this. Look, man, I ain't falling for no banana in my tailpipe. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. And they sweep it again left side. This time to Sermon. Looking to break it out. Gets the edge down the far sideline. He's got a first down. Still going inside the 30. And he's tackled forward all the way inside the 25 to the 23-yard line of Las Vegas. Explosive run, Trey Sermon. Trey Sermon's been good for this team, has he not, in a backup role? One of the things different about this matchup with the Texans compared to earlier this season is... Well, you're going to have Jonathan Taylor back being one. Uh, Tank Dell is out for the Texans. A lot of people want to say, well, you also have C.J. Stroud, who is uh, 
who's a lot better now than he was, but he was really good in that game too. And really, in the backup role, once he came in for the injured Anthony Richardson, Gardner Minshew was good in that game too. It's exactly what you want and what you should want coming up on Saturday right here. If you watched it, national championship game is set for next Monday night. That will be Michigan and Washington. A couple of really good games yesterday. Hopefully you got to sit home and watch them. From Alexander, hey, JMV, based solely on last year's Colts record, you know, even beyond that too, Alexander, I'll add to this, just based on the circus, the clown show that was a year ago, would you agree most Colts fans are just happy to have the chance to experience a win and in scenario? There is no doubt about that, especially at home. However, I will maintain this. While you're here, do it. While you're here, getting the opportunity, take advantage of it. So there's not going to be, if they lose, for example, if they were to lose, there's not going to be any me on Monday going, oh, well, you know what? Uh, Injured quarterback, backup quarterback, blah, 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 all that softballing stuff. It's, It's going to be serious because my expectations are that they win that. There's no doubt I'm not taking away from what is going to be fun, a great atmosphere, all that is going on downtown. And the fact that you're in this position, I'm sure that makes Colts fans feel good. But there's not going to be a good feeling of missing out on the postseason, given the position that you're talking about here. No good feeling to be had. And I don't care what you think about next year or the year, you have no idea. Zero idea how this is going to go down. Like I see so many people saying, well, you know what? Gardner Minshew, he was good for this year, but you can go out and do this next year because you're not going to need him because Anthony Richardson, you don't have any idea. I'm not suggesting Anthony Richardson's not, but you don't have any idea that he is. And this is not me just making this up. This is a conversation Bill Brooks and I had on the Colts pregame huddle, and he mentioned as a former NFL player Listen, you take advantage of the situation that is presented because there are no guarantees regarding that for tomorrow, and that is true, and that exactly is the take that I have. And it will be similar regarding the Pacers, wherever they are toward the end of the season, and really where they are right now. I just have I have higher expectations, and I don't have the patience to sit around for four and five years like some of you do, and I don't want to. Even if I am guaranteed those years, I don't want to. I want to see them, and also this, and this holds true, and a lot of you agree with me on this, is that these surprise seasons, you know, when you you know win a division or when you're a wild card rep. And nobody expects you, including those here, like me. That is something that is more enjoyable than if you're the favorite. And then it's, well, you know, this team is supposed to be there. This is different, and I think this makes it more entertaining, more enjoyable. And that's the position the Colts have put themselves in. I'm not suggesting at all it's going to be easy because it isn't. There's nothing easy for this team. Nothing. 
but they're in that position at home. Going to blow the top off of downtown coming up on Saturday in a good way. So, yeah, there's no, well, on Monday if they lose, well, look at the season and the whole house money or the season was great. Uh-uh. If they don't play up to expectations, then that's exactly how we will put it because that's exactly how it should be put. And I'm sorry, I feel the same way about the Pacers right now. Last night, I thought, was their best win of the season. But the job that they did against one of the league's elite, certainly one of the elite in the Eastern Conference, and as I mentioned a little bit earlier, too, it is a team now that firmly in the crosshairs would have the Pacers. The Bucks care about the Pacers right now. They care about the Pacers. They care what the Pacers are doing, how they're playing. And to get over all that, including that home win streak at the Fiserv Forum last night, there was a lot. And, you know, again, the, the depth really showing where you can see it, again, from Matherin to Jackson to McConnell off the bench when the starters didn't have their normal impact. Man, that's, that's a hell of a night. That's their best win of the season right there. Without question. If you're on hold, I'll get back to you coming up in a minute. Shout out to our friends at AAA Travel as well for being a sponsor of this show right now. We love it. We'll do that on a day-to-day basis for you, too. A couple of stops later on this week. I'll tell you how you can join the show coming up. And Bob Kravitz at BobKravitz.com. A lot of things, including collegiately. Purdue on the road at Maryland. Butler on the road at St. John's. Got IU on the road at Nebraska coming up tomorrow night. Got a lot going on collegiately. We'll talk about that with Bob and a lot more coming up. Hour three inside the lounge via YouTube Live, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. I don't know what the hell's in there, but it's weird and pissed off, whatever it is. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Indianapolis has the ball between the hash marks now. Pistol formation for Minshew. Taylor's the back. Shotgun snap to Minshew. Outside give to Taylor. Stretching it out. He's at the five, and he walks in untouched. Jonathan Taylor punctuates the opening possession for the Colts on a five-yard touchdown run, and the Colts on the first drive of the game put it in the end zone. They lead early 6 to nothing. That is Matt Taylor, everybody, right there. Colts in a situation that... Absolutely nobody called at the beginning of the season. And that is on Saturday night, a win and you're in scenario. And you can lean back and see what else may happen around you on Sunday. But again, a formidable opponent in the Houston Texans in town for that finale of the regular season coming up on Saturday. That's and the Pacers, to me, most impressive win of the season was last night. That home and home with Milwaukee, Gamebridge Fieldhouse tomorrow night. And all collegiately that is going on as well. You know, somebody had asked me, Daniel Esley said this, um, is there any loss scenario where you're excited for the year the Colts had? Um, no. No, there's you know, there's not. I, I can just tell you the disappointment will outweigh that. I don't know if I would, would look back in reflection and go, well, you know what? The old college try, and that was great. I'll be incredibly disappointed. And Daniel... I don't want to be disappointed. 
Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. He never disappoints. BobKravitz.com. Writer extraordinaire. Friend of this show. Music enthusiast Bob Kravitz joins us now. <laughs> Happy New Year to you, Bob. Same to you, my friend. Hope all is well. How was uh, New Year with Jake Query on New Year's Eve? It was good. Uh, me and uh, Shannon uh, yep. and, and Jake, uh, we went out to uh, see our friend Michael play. He plays for the Elect, uh, the band. Uh, we saw him at uh, the Slippery Noodle. Had a great old time. Uh, I did not cut a rug, but I watched a lot of other people <laughs> uh, dance. And uh, it was great fun. Had a good time. Yeah, good. Good for you. Celebrating the new year with, with Jake Query and Shannon is always a good time, I'm assuming. Can't go wrong. It was. It was. Hey, um, I just got to ask this question. I don't want to be disappointed on Saturday. I don't want to be disappointed going into Sunday or disappointed in talking about it on Monday. Uh, how would you, and I, I hate to start with a negative right here, but what would your reflection of the season be if they were to lose out on this opportunity and lose to Houston Saturday night? Well, I mean, obviously it would be a shame to come this far and to do all the good things they've done this season and and not be able to finish the job. That said, I'm in a little bit different position than you are. Um, I I think they're playing with house money at this point. You know, I, I think they have gone far, far beyond any reasonable expectations to start the season with the Jonathan Taylor situation and then to lose Richardson, uh, have what seven, eight guys suspended or put on the uh, on the commissioner's list. I mean, there was a lot of a lot of times in this season when things could have gone south, and yet they've they've somehow they've somehow fashioned a really good season out of it. So yeah, it would be it would be disappointing. I'd love to cover a, another playoff game. I, I think that would be that would be awesome. But um, I wouldn't be uh, crestfallen, I guess would, the word would be. <laughs> I'm going to have to look that uh, up. Hold on a second. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, okay. Uh, I, we got a minute. Go, go right ahead. <laughs> no, uh, I, I wouldn't be bummed to, you know, if, if they lost terribly. I mean, I, look, in a big game, I tend to think the team with the, with the better quarterback is going to win. And while I think Minshew has been – very good this season. Uh, I look at I look at C.J. Stroud and I see a guy who's who's a stud, and it's an offensive line that's not as beat up as it was the first time when the Colts. Uh, I think they had six sacks in that first game, something like that. So, you know, if you're asking me who's going to win, I guess I would take Houston. Love to see the Colts win it. I think they they they've had an amazing season. So Bob Kravitz, bobkravitz.coms with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I, I guess to a degree there would be a lot more conversation if they weren't in this situation about these suspensions and uh, some of the, how should I put it, dumbassery that's gone on with this team in that right. capacity over the past six or so months. I, I, I know that's just going to be a conversation for a different day but but how would you start to write about that if again the Colts were not in this win and you're in situation on Saturday well I mean from a distance it looks like things are a little out of control but you know uh, I mean the gambling stuff you have no control over the the PED uh, situation with Grover and the other guy um, that's that's on them you know um, 
I'm still incredibly curious to know what what uh, Brown and McKenzie did to uh, inspire that that sort of uh, that sort of penalty. Did you see McKenzie get uh, active on X? I think it was yesterday that it said it wasn't the eagle thing, as in bald eagle well, thing. What is the eagle thing? I, I have there, no idea. Somebody and I always thought that it was just kind of a stupid internet thing to start with, but somebody had put out there that uh, he was involved in uh, shooting a bald eagle, <laughs> and then everybody kind of ran with it. <laughs> oh man, was 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 it while he was? Uh... Snowboarding with Andrew Locke. I mean, good. <laughs> yeah. Good heavens! I, I had not heard that, my man. I, yeah, I, that was. I had not heard. So and then it, it kind of morphed. It, it morphed into it like a caramel joke about Canadian geese, and then I don't. You just had people that still kind of believed it, and and, and I guess this I, oh. people people will t- people are dumb. To start with, at times uh, we have seen, but people will tend to agree with that too because there has been zero transparency as to why zero. those two players were dealt with in the fashion in which they were. And they weren't messing around. And I will, I will say this, and I mentioned it in my in the, in the report card uh, yesterday. Um, the uh, level of accountability with this team it used to be a daycare center, and the level of accountability that I've seen under Steichen has been raised dramatically. Um, you know, I mean, some of this stuff was, you know, the league was, you know, the, was a league thing. But, you know, the rest of the regular season, not getting paid. I mean, this must have been pretty bad. I, the Eagle thing sounds funny to me. What did Tony Brown do, cook it up? I mean... <laughs> I mean, the only thing that I'd I'd heard again, and nobody will will concretely substantiate this that there was a, there was a back and forth between the two in a locker room. That's the only thing I've heard that I could could. Everything else has been kind of like fodder for Twitter and X or yeah. social media and whatever. Well, I will say this: we when and what one of my greatest regrets is, you know, we kept hearing the stories about Andrew Luck and snowboarding, and we just we just poo-pooed it because we thought that's the dumbest thing we've ever heard and damned if it wasn't true yeah yeah. and and i'm still pissed off at myself and all all my my uh, colleagues that nobody thought to say to andrew hey what what is the deal here we just assumed it was nonsense and there there's a good journalism uh lesson here if you hear something, ask about it. There have been two things in the past that I have shot down at the moment. Actually, I didn't shoot this one down, but Tony Donahue had heard from an Uber driver at the very beginning about this, uh, who had who had said to Tony that while Tony was in his Uber, that a Colts player was in there and mentioned that about luck to him. And then the right. other one, before I, the day before I went on vacation, the final hour, and this goes back to when Brad Stevens was announced he was leaving Butler for the Celtics head coaching job. Somebody called Tony Donahue on this show 10 minutes before the news broke and said it was going to happen. And I said, man, Tony, I'm not going to be wrong about this and go on vacation and have everybody ripping me, so let's just right. wait. And then 10 minutes later it came to fruition so 
Two things. Uh, Tony freaking Donahue, huh? He's a man about town. That's what happens when he you're is, the man about is. town. I guess they, I guess it makes sense to, <laughs> to, to, to be out and about and get, get these scoops. Well, uh, maybe I need to get out of the house more. In, in the past, though, when you're thinking about, let's just say, for example, using Brown and McKenzie here, that that stuff would have already leaked out like 90 different ways. Yeah. yeah. And, and oh, with this absolutely. group, it, it hasn't. If, if Schefter hasn't had it or Ian Rappaport, it ain't coming out. I'm just telling you. I Believe me, I've asked everybody I know down there, uh, what, what is the deal here? And I'm getting a bunch of, hey, you know, can't talk about it. I mean, this thing is buttoned up. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. The, sure. the culture in a winning, winning uh, in situation, and I can't wait till Saturday. Me either. It's going to be a great time downtown. Bob Kravitz at bobkravitz.com is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I'll get to the paces with you in a second, but a little bit more on this matchup, winning your end scenario with the Texans. I asked Brad Spielberger a PFF this earlier. I'll ask you the same thing. Is there anything that you take away from that first meeting won by the Colts that you can put to, relate to, connect to this final regular season weekend matchup Saturday? Not really. I, I just think you know, look, uh, rookies aren't rookies anymore. Uh, you know, even though Stroud played really well that first game, put up some big numbers, he's not the same guy. They've got a their their offensive line, from what I understand, is intact. If you remember, if you remember that game early in the season, I believe four out of five of their offensive linemen were out, and the Colts just fed off that. I mean, it, it was a feeding frenzy at the quarterback. So I don't think I, – I, I think, you know, if you had played them in week 14 and, and you're playing them again now, yeah, I think there's, there's stuff that you could, you could take from it. But we're talking about, what was it, the second game of the season? Yeah. Something like that. Somebody, the second uh, or third, one of the two. Third maybe. I yeah, think. yeah. So I, I just – I think they're completely different teams. And the one thing that I, I think is going to be key to the whole thing, John, is – they have got to get the pass rush going again against Houston because uh, they, have, they have got to protect the back end. You look at that secondary, I mean, Aiden O'Connell threw for 299 yards. Devontae uh, Adams had a big day. Um, they are third in the league in um, uh, uh, explosive pass plays. So that would be pass plays of over 25 yards. They're third in the league. So they have got to get pressure on this guy or they're going to get torn up because I'm really afraid. Now, you assume Kenny Moore will be back, so that's going to help. But you've got a lot of youth back there. This has been or going to be the best quarterback the Colts have seen since? Question mark. Wow. Uh, Well, Baker Mayfield was playing pretty well when they ran into him. But uh, and he didn't play that great that day. But gosh, I'd have to go back and look at the schedule. But I mean, they they have faced. Let's let's be honest. They faced a lot of backups and a lot of rookies and a lot of backup rookies. You know, I mean, it's not been a uh, a killer schedule. But that's that's the way the NFL is set up. You have a bad season like they had last year, and you know this is what's so cool about the NFL is that last year. These two teams played in the final game of the regular season, and the only real question was, 
could Houston find a way to lose and get the number one pick? And with help from the Colts, they screwed that up. And then, then they got eternally fortunate by uh, getting uh, by getting Stroud. Um, I, I I think you know uh, it, it, it's what makes the NFL so cool. Is it's very, unless you're a Jets fan, you have hope virtually every year. Yeah, and uh, that's what you, that's what you got. You got. We thought two weeks ago was a big Saturday night. And then you combine, you know, that and, and think what we went through then and how fun that was and yeah. times ten coming up this Saturday night. Hey, let me let me ask you a quick question. Yeah. What channel was the Pacers game on last night? Uh as far as television? Yeah. It was on uh, Bally Sports Indiana. I I couldn't get it. I, what? I read I read every story this morning because I knew I was gonna be on and I knew that we'd be talking about yeah. it. But I could not, for the life of me, find it anywhere yesterday. Yeah, I found it in the normal spot, which I don't know what channel. It's like I go 671 and then one of the uh, well, the I, substations I have, I have of 671 TV. right there. I have YouTube TV, so it's a separate, separate app. I don't understand all that stuff. But all I know is I went to my usual spot, and, and it wasn't on. But uh, apparently, based on everything I read, uh, they played just a dynamic game. Best uh, game of the season. Uh, Best win of the season, I thought, considering the circumstances, location, and all that. Yeah, and, and you know, you you wonder how they're going to head into the February trade trade deadline because the, the, things are things are uh, coming along well. This team is growing. They had that one stretch there where they struggled after the. Uh, in-season tournament, but boy, I I don't want to lose anybody. I like this team. I mean, I think Buddy is probably going to get moved because of his contract, but you know, I I, I hate to lose any of them because uh, I like I like the chemistry here. You know, I, I kind of wonder after Ananobi got moved from Toronto to New York and. I'm sure there are other options out there that we won't even discuss, but you know your right. garden variety would have included him and and Siakam also of Toronto. You you kind of wonder as you start to whittle this down the opportunities that will present themselves as we get closer to the trade deadline. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the thing with Siakam, and, and I, I might be mis misstating uh, this, but there's something in his contract where uh, there was a date that just passed. And it's going to be very difficult. It's basically if you trade for Siakam at this point, yeah. it's going to be a rental. Yeah, yeah, it's going and, to be a rental. And, <laughs> and I just, I just don't see them being willing to move Ben Matherin or any of those guys for for a rental for a team that's going to, you know, best case scenario, finish what fourth, fifth, sixth uh, in the East and. You know how how deep are they? You know, to me, you get a rental if you think you're close to winning a championship. No, I I completely agree. It is um, yeah. it's a weird. I, I want them by. I want them to go for it, but I want them to also be savvy while going for it. If that makes sense, right? Like it, no, when it, you're, you're talking about, you, you don't want to go. I, I think you can go as much as you can go too little on this. I think you can also go too far on this. Um, so I, I would agree with that. 
Well, I mean, look, uh, I think Heald is somebody you can move. I, I, I think I, I like Bruce Brown, and I think he's going to figure it out with this team. But um, he's, you know, $23 million a year. I don't see him coming back next year uh, necessarily. So um, they, they've got people they can move. You know, Ben Matherin, I'd hate to move off of him in any form or fashion because I think he's starting to get it. And he played great last night, yeah. from what I understand. Yeah, they're not going. They're, they're not going to do that. I just, I don't see, I don't see the options that they have right now. I guess that others, others do. So I, I just, I yeah. look, and, and you're, you're right about Buddy Heald, I'm sure. But the reason why you're right about Buddy Heald right now is because he hasn't shot the ball that well recently. And you may right. feel that way about T.J. McConnell at times. But you saw how magnified the presence of McConnell was again last night coming off of that bench. So I just I think that you've got guys that make up this equation to what we have seen from a positive from this Colts team. And if you take them away, I think all of a sudden that becomes a detriment that I think you would struggle making up for. I do in some capacity. Uh, so Yeah, no, I look I I, I... I could see moving heel just because of his contract situation. And if he's not shooting the ball at a really high clip, there's not a lot more that he offers. I mean, besides being a great teammate and being a really good guy. Um, you know, I, I think that Carlisle would be uh, – uh, Carlisle would, would off himself if he had to lose McConnell. He loves himself some T.J. McConnell. Yeah, I, I just I wonder at the end of it all if it's going to be one of these players like we saw how many years ago with with Wes Matthews Jr. where you know they're cut and then that's how you right. rent them for the remainder of the season as opposed to being being a trade. I'm, I'm curious about this. Was was there any thought by the NBA of of moving that seven o'clock start at all with the NFL jumping in and jumping on top of them with that game? I, Lucas I, don't, I don't know, but I, I would tend to doubt it. I mean, the NFL is King Kong. You know, uh, I mean, the NFL is going to do what it's going to do. And I, I, I just – I we've had this in the past, and usually the NBA doesn't doesn't uh, make any changes in its uh, its schedule. So, and from what I understand, there was – there wasn't any talk of it, but I, I don't know for sure. I think it's cool as hell, to be honest. And I'm sure that the Pacers, if you were to ask them honestly, they probably wouldn't think it's as cool as hell as I would. But right. I think the whole right. the whole image of the city and what's going to be going on, and I think Jim Irsay tweeted about this earlier, 85,000 fans downtown uh, with you know the Celtics in town and then the big game at Lucas Oil Stadium. That's pretty cool to me. Yeah, oh, it, it's going to be great. It's uh I mean, this, this is such a cool sports town. It just is. So Bob Kravitz, BobKravitz.com. He's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Tyrese Halliburton, he has been Eastern Conference Player of the Week. He had a phenomenal week from all areas, did he not? He was unbelievable. And, you know, we, we talked, I wrote about this, that he hit that stretch where teams were, were really focused in on him. Uh, they were doubling them. They were blitzing them. They were moving them to the other side of the floor because, you know, he likes the right side of the floor, so they're trying to get him to go left. Um, he, he's just been phenomenal. I mean, I, I can't 
think of another player who's come in here and had this kind of impact, talking Pacers, in, in such a short time. I mean, you think, you know, it, it, I guess Oladipo, you know, but uh, that's, that's about as close as I can come. I mean, this guy's just been a superstar. It's been unbelievable. And, and, and he's just getting better. You know, this is what stands out to me. Um, we, we talk about all the time in sports, the the me guys or the I guys. He, he's he's an I guy in terms of this. He always starts with, I have to be better. I have to be better on the floor. I have to lead better. I didn't have a good quarter. I didn't have a great hat. He always starts with himself in talking about those situations where things didn't go right or or you lose yeah. a game. or And, and that's – I can't remember – Anybody, and maybe this changes. You know, maybe that thought process changes when he's answering questions night in and night out. But I can't remember somebody that always took the blame as much as he does regarding oh, yeah. a loss he, or a bad performance. He, he said recently, uh, or a couple of weeks ago, he said, I've been trash. I've been turning the ball yeah. over. I just pray this guy doesn't change. <laughs> yeah, um, no. You know, and yeah. especially, especially after the Oladipo situation where uh, I thought that he changed more than any professional athlete I've ever come across personally. Uh, he was one person and then he hit stardom and everything changed. I, I hope that it doesn't. Uh, I don't think that it will. You know, I mean, Tyrese likes to play. I mean, the whole thing with Wally Zerbiak uh, the other night, you know, he's like, check me out. Um, but I, there, there's, no, there's no meanness to him, you know. I mean, he just, he just seems like a really good guy. He's the kind of guy you'd like to have a beer with. Yeah, what else do is uh, Wally Zerbiak. I thought Wally Zerbiak handled that as well as you could. I mean, he just owned he it. Did. He just owned the entire thing. Said, you know what? Yeah, he told I, his dad, you know, this was not my finest hour when I said that. Right. Yeah, and while he's a good guy, he's a New York guy, Long Island, so, you know, we'll give him a break. But, uh, no, he, uh, I guess it was in, uh, I, I, I only saw it in uh, Scott Agnes's story, so good for him. Uh, he talked to Wally, and Wally was great. He acknowledged that he got emotional, and, you know, that happens. You know, especially if you are uh, getting your paycheck from the the team you're you're uh, talking about, you know, you're going to get emotional and you'll be you're going to be a homer. Um, but I think it's pretty clear that uh, Halliburton is uh, on the cusp of superstardom. And uh, if you give me a choice, I, I like I like Brunson too, but give me Halliburton. 10 days out of 10. It's Bob Kravitz, bobkravitz.com. You can find his work right there. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Boilermakers on the road tonight at Maryland. Butler on the road tonight at St. John's. Big 10, Big East play. IU starts or restarts in this case. The Big 10 campaign tomorrow night at 9 on the road at Nebraska. Three things about those three teams and the start of conference season for all three again. Well, I mean, Butler, I haven't seen a ton of Butler, but uh, what I have seen, um, they, you know, Fad Mata has got them playing really good basketball. Um, I saw where Joe, where Joe Lenardi had them, like, first team out, which is meaningless at this time of the season, but it's always fun to look at. Um, 
IU scares me to death. You know, I mean, I'm not going to pass judgment on them until we see them with Xavier, with Xavier Johnson. You know, uh, I, I want to see what they look like with him back there, you know, in the backcourt starting. Um, but, man, they can't, they can't stop anybody from shooting threes. What is, did, didn't Kennesaw have, like, 17 threes? Yeah, everybody has about 17 threes, yeah. That's been an issue. It seems that yeah. way. So, yeah, and as far as, as, far as Purdue goes, it, it's going to be – they're, they're going to cruise through the Big Ten. I realize they lost to Northwestern. Uh, there's always that slip up. But uh, I just think this is going to be a, a really special season for Purdue. So, Bob Kravitz, BobKravitz.com, what's your latest? Well, I got the dopey report card out there. I'm uh, writing about Gardner Minshew uh, sometime tomorrow. And uh, looking forward to Saturday night. It's going to be a late one. Do you want to, Jake, talk about, and I noticed this with the new Indy 11 park that they're building. They are uh, unearthing uh, bits and pieces of, of bodies, given that back in the yeah, day it was a cemetery. I, the reason I bring it up is because I, Jake, was the first person I ever heard talk about that. And it sounds like, like a poltergeist situation happening over there. <laughs> poltergeist situation. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, I, I I have not done a lot of deep research into this. I'm sure that. I thought Jake, Jake would have brought it up on New Year's Eve or something like that. Jake didn't bring it up on New Year's Eve. No, strangely enough. No, we were, we were grooving, man. We were just listening to the music. My friend Michael played uh, Springsteen's Atlantic City. It was a great rendition. Nice. So I just just wanted to mention that. Awesome. Bob Kravitz of BobKravitz.com with us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. We will see you up in the press box on what should be a very fun Saturday night. Bob, I appreciate you. All right. Thanks, buddy. It's uh, Bob Kravitz of BobKravitz.com. I was reading about that. I think it was uh, Lauren... Lauren, what's her name? I forget her last name. Lauren of Channel 13. I, I should forget because I haven't seen Channel 13 in months. Uh, thank you, 13 and DirecTV. But I haven't seen it in months. Her name is Lauren, and she was doing a story on it. And you know, they and, and Jake was the first person I remember talking about how, hey, that's where the old diamond chain building was that was also the site of a uh, a cemetery going way back. And they are they are found, finding remains there right now, which had me thinking about not the the new version of Poltergeist, but the the old school nineteen eighty two what Toby Hooper Poltergeist, which will go days is one of the greatest ever. Like all this new stuff, like the new Footloose, the new Poltergeist, the new Red Dawn, all that new stuff is so terrible. Can you imagine what the new, I mean, the new roadhouse is going to be? And I like Jake Gyllenhaal a great deal, but I'm I'm sorry. You just, this seems like an untouchable right here. I've never even seen the original roadhouse. I I didn't expect anything less from you, James, not to have seen one of the greatest films of all time being Roadhouse. Somebody must be watching it. Somebody must be buying it to watch paying for it to watch for them to continue to do it i just think for the most part you'd have to help me out on this i i can't find one 
Oh, is Man on Fire? Was Man on Fire a remake? Didn't Scott Glenn do a Man on Fire version back in the eighties? There may be some that maybe I don't know that are remakes that, but maybe good that are remakes that are good. Man on Fire was initially made into a film in 1987. Yeah, Scott Glenn, yep. right? Yeah, look at me and my big brain right there. But for the most part, the three that I named are definitely bad. Like, I'm always, like, right now, Poltergeist, the new Poltergeist is on the, the movie channels that I have on DirecTV. And the moment I see that Craig T. Nelson and Joe Beth Williams are not in the description as stars of the film, I just move right along. Don't even mess with it. But getting back to that story, that's the thing I, I think about with the, the Indy 11 park that is being constructed is uh, the film Poltergeist. What was the quote there? You get it? Move the bodies. <laughs> you did it? Move the bodies. Great film. All right, quick one. We shall come back. Now, thank everybody for being a part. And again, the first show of 2024. And as always, inside the AAA Membership Lounge YouTube Live right there. Guys are doing it as you normally do. Thank you guys very much. Again, the AAA Membership Lounge via YouTube Live, a part of this show on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Excuse me, Robo. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? Stay out of trouble. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Amir Abdullah in as the back now to uh, the left of O'Connell, who backs the throw on first down. Has all kinds of time, and the time runs out. Finally, the Colts get home with the pass rush all the way back to the 48-yard line. It's a loss of four, and it's DeForest Buckner with the sack. Matt Taylor right there on the call. Matt, Rick, Lara, Casey, back at you coming up on Saturday. I start the ride to kickoff Saturday afternoon at 4.30, 4.30 to 5.30, and then we'll be in touchdown town with me and Bill Brooks. Joe Wrights, the Gorman, will have you for the Colts pregame huddle. Countdown to kickoff after that. And uh, a little bit after 8 o'clock will be the game time of a win and you're in scenario. I'm sorry. And I know what Bob said, and I know that I sound incredibly hardcore and I'm not trying to be here. But if they blow this on Saturday, it is going to be tough, at least in the beginning, for me to embrace a great deal about the season. I know that a lot of you consider it a throwaway and, hey, you know, house money type of stuff. I just – we have seen this come out in this fashion in the past, and I I just think Saturday, even if this is not going to be the quarterback of the future or if there is still a team – to be molded around the quarterback of the future, which is not playing. My God, I want them to take advantage of what they can take advantage of right now. I want to live in the now for stinking once around here and have it be good. And not have to think about, well, you know what? This team lost, but hey, that was great. And I'll give you a great example. I sound like a complete hypocrite. That's kind of how I felt about Indiana State and Michigan State. But you know what else I felt? I felt like it sucked because they had an opportunity to win and they lost. I thought it sucked because if their best player had a better game or if they rebounded better or didn't turn over the ball so much, I placed expectations on them. Man, there's nothing wrong with that. 
Stop being hardcore or unreasonable. Just getting out of the doldrums of being a consistent stinking loser around here. It's my thought. Inside the AAA membership lounge where the conversation is raging right now. <laughs> JF, thank you very much. Jamie, the two guests today on this show think the Texans roll. I know that. Kravitz going with the Texans. I'm not. Spielberger's going with the Texans. And this is not coming. I'm not far from a homer. And you know what? The other thing that really struck me is that promo before we came back in with Andy Sweeney talking about how he was not a crier regarding officiating. I'm not a crier regarding officiating either, but if it screws the team that I cover, I will talk about it in that capacity. Can you imagine where this team might be if they didn't get the hose against the Browns? And the NFL telling Jim Irsay that they got the hose? It can. We saw it. Do we not see Detroit get the hose? It can happen. There's nothing wrong with talking about what happens. And bad officiating egregiously missed calls and or errors oftentimes have a profound effect. It's part of it. Part of the equation. I don't have to be crying about it or anything like that. They got screwed, that Cleveland game. Can you imagine Cleveland back in here again? There's no way you can embrace that type of good fortune, right? It's outstanding. 239-1070 is the number. James, give me Jonah up here on line three. Hello, Jonah. JMV, Happy New Year. Jonah, Happy New Year to you. Are you officially moved back to central Indiana? I have all my stuff moved back. I just have a few things down here to do, and then I'll be back for good. I'm, oh, okay. I had to push it back another month, so I'm, a, I'm aiming to early February now. Yeah, Here's what I've heard. I have heard that you're coming back. I've known that. And then our good friend Matthew in Maine is also moving here. So we're getting, oh, okay. the, we're getting nice. the band back together again inside the lounge, the AAA yeah, lounge yeah. via YouTube Live. Very nice. Absolutely. Uh, I, I have a Pacers take, but yep. yeah, you're right about the Colts. You know, winning the last game, it's ha- this game's house money, but at the same time, this will alleviate two years ago losing in Jacksonville to, to win and get in. So winning this Saturday night would be uh, would be really nice. To- and if we can get Cleveland again, you, you know the Colts players are not going to forget the ending of that game. Oh, the screw job that they endured. Indeed. Yes. I agree. But I was also listening to you and Bob talk about the Pacers and, yeah. you know, trading guys. Two years ago in 2021, this time two years ago, before we trade for Halliburton, this Pacers team didn't seem like they had any direction whatsoever. And I was just like, how far is this going to go in? In the last two years, I think Pritchard's done an incredible job of making good trades, good draft picks. Um and I'm not really – I like, I don't want to trade for Siakam for one thing. I mean, if you could trade for, like, a defender or something small, like a Heald or, or a Bruce Brown, if you want to get rid of them. I, I like Bruce Brown. I like Buddy Heald. But if you can get something back for them, then great. The Pacers also have six picks in the next two drafts. And instead of dealing away for, like, a rental, I would like to see them, like, move up in the draft for a guy that they target. And I, I think that's just a better way to build on this team. We already have two rookies that don't, that don't even play. 
that seemed like they have some game. So I, I will tell I really you this, like and Jonah, I I think that and. You know, maybe things again evolve to where other players get involved, become available, what have you, prior to the trade deadline. But I, I told Bob this. I, I kind of think maybe this is going to be one of those buyout situations where that is, you know, a rental that doesn't cost you or mortgage much on your future. With that in mind, I kind of wonder. And normally, you know, how how good of additions are these players? You know, not great, but I just don't see anything sitting here right now that really has made a lot of sense. I didn't think Ananobi was going to happen, but certainly with him yeah. out of the equation in New York now, I don't know. I don't know what might end up making more sense in the next month. Well, in the defense, the last. Two weeks has been better. Uh, I like the lineup change with Jalen Smith and Miles Turner in the starting lineup. Uh, I'm seeing guys like Obi Toppin now that's playing more hustle on the defensive end and rebounding better. Uh, Matherin's also playing with more aggressiveness. I don't know what Carlisle has done to change this lineup, but we've looked way better the last four games than we have the losing stretch that we had there. Like losing to Washington, what what the heck was that about? <laughs> but but I love this. I love the future of the Pacers team, and we still have a good good cap space, a lot of draft picks, and just a, a young squad. And I'm I'm loving this right now. This is a fun time to be a Pacers fan. But we got a crazy schedule coming up this January. Yep. So if yep. we can get through this, you know, I I could see maybe four, three, four, five seed in the Eastern Conference. So. You got hey Jonah, welcome back to Central Indiana too, buddy. I appreciate that. Thank you. Happy New Year to you. Benny Greenwood writes this. So more wins than forecasted with Anthony Richardson starting. Minshew proved he's a starting caliber quarterback. Um, Jonathan Taylor is back. Win or not this weekend, I feel one million percent better about the team than where we were a year ago. See, that's an unfair comparison right there, though. I mean, anything feels better than that clown show at the end of last year. More wins forecasted with AR starting. Minshew proved, again, he's a starting caliber quarterback. See, here's been my take on this, and I'm not taking anything at all away from Gardner Minshew. I think that he has proven that he is a good backup. I don't think he's proven he's a starting caliber. And I know that he's starting, and they're going to go, hey, numbnuts, he's starting. What are you talking about? But I think that what he has proven is he is a quality backup that can endure with this particular schedule with this team, meaning he shouldn't go anywhere, meaning he should be right here. So I I haven't changed my thought regarding Gardner Minshew. I think he is what everybody here had hoped him to be. Especially considering the schedule. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Thank you, Ben. Uh, give me Mike on line one at 239-1070. Hello, Mike. How are you? John, how are you tonight, buddy? Mike, I'm fantastic. Thank you for the call. Hey, happy new year. Enjoyed listening to you tonight. Hey, I got um, one take on the whole Minshew thing. Yeah. Sign him. Sign him. Oh, that, it's, a, it's a can't miss. You, you have no idea what the future it, is going to hold right, here. Uh, and you know what he can provide. So go with that. So what have we had maybe this year? 14, 15 different backups starting games throughout the league? Yeah, that's the Man, direction got, in which we're going, no doubt. Hey, you're talking about AAA insurance. 
there's the insurance policy right there. Exactly. And, and by, thank and you very by, much. And, and, hey, the advertiser will love the fact that you brought that up on your own, too. I will. Well and done. One last, one last thing. Your man running the ones and twos, I left him my cell number for you, and your direct TV days are over. Over. You'll have to believe Donna and I are preaching this because we have it right now. And if you call me later or text me, I will give you the hookup. What are you? Can you tell me what you're preaching? Yeah, if you if you don't mind, go with it's the the app. If you have a 4K Fire Stick, it's called Damson Pro. Yeah, John, I would not lead you down a, a bumpy road. You gotcha. know that by me by now. I got you, $10, Mike. Ten dollars a month. Yep. Ten dollars a month. Thousand channels. All your NBA, all your NFL, your marquee sports, your valleys, everything's there. Plus, you have your locals. Just reach back out to me, and I'll I'll give you the fill out on it. This sounds too good to be true, Mike, no, but no, I no, will no. reach out to you. Hey, hey, I've got it on the set, and we watched it this weekend. It's 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 amazing. So I wouldn't, you know, firemen don't lie. Well, sometimes we do. But, I mean, <laughs> it is what it is. But anyway, reach out to you me. I'll it. give you the scoop. I'll do it, Mike. Thank you. Thanks, brother. Mike and Donna from New Pal. By the way, too, the JMV Takeover made its debut season four, the premiere, on Sunday night for New Year's Eve. I am back on Friday night because of all that's going on with the Colts. I am moving the JMV Takeover to Friday. I'll probably start around 7. I'll get back in here after I go to the garage over at Bottle Works for a Bud Light Blue Friday and give away some tickets to the game to you. But we'll do the Jamby Takeover on Friday night, coming up this Friday night, and I'm hoping to start around 7 or so. So it should be a hellaciously fun Friday night and weekend for you. Quick break. We'll come back with your thoughts and a lot more. Thank you for joining us today. And, again, thank you for joining us inside the AAA Membership Lounge via YouTube Live with 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. Collect them, trade them, or just enjoy them. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. 45-yard field goal. Again, Sanchez will place it down. Luke Rhodes to snap it. There it is. Placement. Kick is on its way. This time, and it is good! Second time, the charm for Matt Gay. He missed from 50, but a penalty on the Raiders gives him another chance. And he comes right back and drills it from 45. And the Colts answer with a field goal to go up by 10 points and two scores again. As Matt Taylor writes on the Colts Radio Network. Welcome back. And you got a win and you're in and you lose. And in this case with the Colts, you lose at home and you stay home for the postseason coming up on Saturday night. We got you covered, of course, here from top to bottom, I start at 4.30 with the ride to kick off inside the Bullseye Event Center with bullseyeeventgroup.com. Sharon writes this. So, JMV, I think a really good thing about this playoff atmosphere is giving these young players exposure to the hyped-up expectations of playoff football. And I'm going to take this a step further. I think this playoff atmosphere does the fan base a great deal of good. Because it's been so long, we used to know and used to expect what to feel like in those big games. But face it, you go back to that Saturday night against the Steelers, how long, maybe once was it against uh, the Buccaneers? Maybe the last time out. But let's just say, for example, in recent history, those types of feelings for the fans around here, they have been few and far between. 
and a lot of losing. It is, to me, even better for the fans. And that's why I take stock in a great deal of disappointment if they can't cash in at home. Because honestly, what more could you ask for? So it's going to be tough for me if they were to lose to come back on Monday and go, oh, well, heck, that was a great effort and they lose, but, you know, whatever. That's going to be tough. Let's don't think I'm in a similar situation as some of you are with, oh, darn it, that was a great try, but. Some of these situations you're placed in, you want to see them get to the other side and a positive outcome. Been without that for a long time around here. I am ready to see that again. Starts coming up on uh, Saturday evening, Saturday afternoon, in fact, at four thirty. James, you're good to go. Just see, can you guys see this um, this lip thing? Does it show over there? I think you can kind of see can it you, a little bit. You see where I I started out with a herpy. I have herpes, an STD, not really. But I started out with a fever blister, and somebody had told me that I could burn it off with rubbing alcohol, and I tried, and I burned both my lips and made it worse. That sounds so I, awful. Because I'm so stinking vain here. Carly Simon shout out. I'm so vain that I've tried to cover it up with various makeups and a goatee. <laughs> so vain. Hey, give somebody some bullseye passes for me right now, James, can you? 239-1070. Number nine is going to go to Bullseye on Saturday afternoon and have an all-you-can-eat, all-you-can-drink blast. Promise you. Number nine at 239-1070. Back with you tomorrow right here at three. You guys have been outstanding. 93.5107.5 The Fan.